For January. <laughs> nope. Yeah. For yeah. No, well, no. I'm gonna start with the day of the week, not the month of the year. Okay. Uh-huh. Man, talk radio. Yes, talk radio. It's so boring, man. Okay. It's going to take off. They're still short-handed. McDavid shoots. Scores! Connor McDavid with his first goal of a Stanley Cup playoffs. Thursday, January 2nd, 2020, uh, I'm James Cole. It's not a real year. I'm Barbara Walters, and this is 2020. I've been waiting for this for, like, fucking, probably, well, since I figured out what 2020 was. Uh, I'm Bruce Battaglia from the North Side. Uh, really pumped. Really pumped. I think this is a cool, cool year name. Cool name for a year. 2020. Great vision. 2020 vision. Yeah. You got the show 2020, formerly hosted by Barbara Walters. Hmm. It's good stuff. Okay. Yeah, I'm good with it. All right. Yeah. Um, how was your New Year's? Uh, it was good. That's good. A little, a little too good. Oh. Um, first time I've done anything for New Year's since, I'm going to say, 2014. Um, and even then I didn't really do much. So yeah, it was, it was fine. You know, I, I, I got to tell you, I avoid going downtown or avoid going to the bars because I assume that it's going to be a, a zoo. Really wasn't. Got, got right into the bar that we went to last night. Uh, walking room. It wasn't even, yeah, it was good. Um, saw some, saw some idiots for sure. Fan of the podcast. David Ingram was there. Uh, fan of the podcast. Kyle Hogan was there. Um, it was? Yeah. I gotta swear that guy was out of town. Uh, uh, very possible that he was in two places at once, hmm. knowing him. Okay. So, yeah, no, kind of weird that he was here for, you know, uh, for any reason. That's he fair. doesn't really spend a lot of time in Thunder Bay, considering he is technically a resident of the city. Yeah. Well, yeah. Barely. Um, right on, man. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear. I had a good um, one. You you worked. How was, how was that, though? Because because um, it's not like you're pushing papers or anything like that. You're no. you're you got a, a a decent job to be working on a night like that. Yeah, it it was it was uh, it was busy. It was you know I good kind of like stopped at one point and it was like oh wow that was four hours. Um, so yeah, it was bumping. It was uh, it was a habit in time, but uh, I didn't I didn't feel overwhelmed either, which was nice. So that's good. Yeah, it was it was good. It was a good night. Good night. Um, not that I watch any New Year's Eve shows, but. I am uh, now finding out, having just Googled Barbara Walters, that um, Sherry O'Terry, formerly of SNL, uh, was on the Carson Daly New Year's special or whatever. No, Anderson Cooper, not even Carson Daly. 
uh, and did uh, an impression of Barbara Walters last night, which was kind of cool. Nice. That was one of her famous impressions on SNL. So good for Sherry O'Terry. It looks like uh, maybe it's maybe it's time for a comeback. We'll have to see uh, what 2020 brings and for Sherry uh, O'Terry. try to follow that up. Yeah. So yeah, we're going to get to the uh, more about the World Juniors in a bit, but just want to take a quick second and talk to you about uh, the city of Gothenburg, Gothenburg, Sweden. Um, for those of you that aren't aware, uh, it is the second largest city uh, in Sweden, and uh, seems like a real happening, down to earth. <clears throat> Uh, for the people. Yeah, the I mean, you, you know, like, no one was here before we started recording, so no one has any idea why you're talking about this at all. I'm just bringing it up. I just uh, want to okay. talk about Gothenburg, Sweden. A little, little shout-out. Okay. Um, each week, I think we should take a moment to talk about a different city in the world, and, and you know, they're... They con- <laughs> Good it's our new, uh, this, this is our new... Uh, travel the world project for 2020 here on Least Up, where a new segment... In which we're going to mention, uh, you know, a city that we find interesting, I guess. Around the world with Brutes Bataglia. Brutes, um, <clears throat> yeah. have you ever been to Sweden? <laughs> no. Would you go? Yes. All right. Um, uh, the, re- the reason that this came up <laughs> is because you and I are discussing going to Sweden in two years for the World Junior Championship I'd, of 2022. I'd go. I, I, I'm in. Yeah. I'm in for sure. Seems like a great little city. Is that, would that be the 2022 World Juniors? Yes. Right. Oh, right, because it's the year after, so we would go in 2021. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Yeah. That'd be my 29th birthday. Ooh. So. That's good for good. you, man. I'll, yeah. I'll be old. Um, <laughs> yeah, you'll be older than that. Yeah. Uh, maybe we can uh, go down there and, and, and win title of Colin Ada uh, for the year. Although, we'll have to probably put a little bit of work. Yeah, you're going to need to describe that one, too. Like, again, <laughs> not everyone's looking at the Wikipedia page that you're reading that you're reading right now. If everyone could just open up the <laughs> Gothenburg Sweden uh, Wikipedia gonna... page in order to actually crack the code of what it is James is talking about. Please He's not po- going to preface Please pause the anything. podcast now while you open up the Wikipedia yeah. page to continue when yeah. prepared. We'll be lucky if all they do is pause it and not turn it off at this point. Yeah. Um, Al Gore, big fan of uh, what? <laughs> Gothenburg. What for its uh, why? Well, you environmentally know, conscious. They're, they're, they're very uh, okay. Earth friendly folks. That's that's great. I think I think Sweden's pretty good for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would imagine. Uh, seems like a a world leader. Is that where that Greta Thunberg is from? Is she Swedish? She is Swedish. Yeah. I don't know if she's from. Um, <laughs> well, that's what I meant, though. Is, is she Swedish? I I thought so. Uh, I got it here. She's from Stockholm. Nice. Good for her. It's her that, birthday. That would have been uh, my other guess. It's her birthday Friday. Oh. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. Happy birthday to Greta. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Well, maybe we'll move on to some more. <clears throat> oh, you're, you're done with our, uh, our places to travel segment? Travel the world 2020? Yeah, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll be more prepared next time. Next stop, uh, next week, Montevideo, Uruguay. Yeah, so uh, if everyone could have their Wikipedia pages ready yeah, to everybody go. study up on Montevideo, uh, Uruguay. Uh, we'll, have uh, a, uh, we'll have a Twitter quiz. About, about yeah, yeah. No, that's going to be great. Uh, did you know that 1.3 million people live in Montevideo? Just giving you a little, uh, little uh, preview for next week. At one point? What happened? What did I say? You said at one point three, three million people live there. 
Oh, I, I meant to say 1.3 million people. Oh. Yeah. That makes more Just sense. one point. Yeah. At one point, <laughs> 3 million people live there. And then what happened? Uh, well, that's uh, we'll get into that next week, but that's what they call the volcano disaster of 98. So, oh, yeah. Um. Okay, so we've uh, we've been we've been off for a little while now. I guess eh? it's been a well, the holidays a little, a little longer of a break. Yeah, than, than uh, and I mean, you know, we got to get back on track. So next week we're just I, I think just back to normal again. So yeah, yeah, short little break between these episodes, I guess. Now, yeah. so yeah. that's why we're talking about Sherry O'Terry in fucking Sweden right now, is because you know we don't want to talk too much about hockey, I, I, crowd you too much about hockey. I think you got to ease up on Gothenburg there. It's a real important city, and I don't want to take anything away from it. Okay. Um, well, you certainly didn't take anything away. <laughs> I don't think anyone took anything, anything away either. from it, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, a few things did happen, though. Okay. Um, as we did mention, off the hop, uh, the World Juniors uh, are continuing. Yeah. Uh, today was the one-off day. We'll get to some of our, our, our reactions to it in a bit, but uh, just some housekeeping around the NHL. Um uh, it 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 still functions despite this tournament. Um, and and why. yeah, I mean, like, I understand that not everyone cares about the World Juniors. This is the worst time of year to have a hockey podcast, though, is because like uh, I've paid more attention to the NHL than you have, hmm. and I've watched maybe two games since Christmas. So oh, good for you, man. That's good. They both involve the Leafs. I figured. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, some some headlines. Actually, I, I did watch a third game. I watched last night the Calgary Flames claw back from being down four nothing against the Chicago Blackhawks to lose four three to the Chicago Blackhawks in what was probably the most exciting final two minutes of a game I've seen in years. It was mm. fucked. Didn't the Leafs do that in October? Against the Blackhawks? Yeah, they were in like six one. They made it six five and lost. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I, no, I don't even remember that. Did that happen? I'm fairly certain. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, mm. it may have been like 2006, but... No, it was this October. Eric Daze was yeah, on the uh, Blackhawks, not on the Leafs, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it could have been. So yeah, I, I don't think, in, unless unless you have anything to contribute, I, I, I don't have anything to talk about game-wise around the NHL. Mm, I don't know no, what's no. been going on. Um, not really, I mean like the Winter Classic happened today. Oh yeah? Uh, oh, that's right. Didn't yeah. watch it. No. Uh, only thing I saw, I don't even know who won. Uh, I saw that uh, Corey Perry got kicked out for a headshot on Ryan Ellis. Probably going to get suspended. Um, guess Just we'll see. Another week in the life of Corey Perry then. Pretty well, yeah. The, the best part about it was Rick Bonus. Uh, uh, possibly, like, I don't know if he was in such a blind rage about like the penalty that maybe he just figured he would say anything after the game. And Rick Bonus said, and I quote, that Corey Perry would never intentionally try to hurt another player. Which, I gotta tell you, one of the funniest things I've ever heard anyone say. I like Corey Perry, I gotta tell you, but like, uh, well, he does, he's, he's thrown some cheap shots out there for sure. Not only has Coach Rick been in the league the entire duration of Corey oh, yeah. Perry's career. Coached him too. This is his second time coaching him. That, that's wild. Yeah. Are, are you kidding me? Is Rick okay? Like, are the glasses working? Should we... Um, well, I don't think he has glasses, but... Well, maybe it's... Maybe it's time. Maybe it's time. Yeah. Okay. Well, um... Okay, good. I, I, it's it's glad. Uh, day one of the new year and Corey Perry has a suspension, so nothing's changed. Um, great. That's fantastic. I'm going to go home now. That's that's my job. That's it. There you go. We're done. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. I mean, the, the Winter Classic's fine. 
people seem to love it, and that's, it a that's fine. Cool venue this year, I'm, I'm told. I think it's cool that they still do it. It's just, again, it's one of those things, like, we've discussed before on the podcast, like, the All-Star game, they do it, and it's fine, but they don't do it for me. You know, and I, I, I would think, like, the Olympics is another thing, like, it's it's just, it's not for me. The Winter Classic's one of those things. I, I love that it exists. I don't need to watch it. It's mm. fine. I, I don't care. I really don't care about those two teams that played today. I had no reason to watch it. I'm glad it wasn't Chicago versus No, oh, for sure. Again. Like, it definitely... You know, definitely fine Spread with that. The love. Like, but, but like, I'm more likely to watch next year when the rumored matchup is the Wild and the Jets, and provided that the Jets are still good by then, and maybe the Wild are good by then, probably not. You know, I will watch the game. There is a real good chance, though, that those are two horrible teams next year. So mm. that's interesting. But speaking of that Wild outdoor game, um, mm. uh, an interesting tidbit released today, um, in which. Uh, the Wild. Gothenburg, Sweden decided to outlaw all gas cars. What? <laughs> uh, the cities of Minneapolis and, S- and St. Paul have uh, teamed up to become sister cities with Gothenburg, Sweden. Um, I would think of the all the episodes we do this year, if we were to actually do that segment, a good portion of them are going to have to be in Portugal. Hmm. Because we are Portugal's number two hockey podcast. Number two? Behind ESPN and Ice. With Greg Wisha Wishentes Emily Capel Montesi Emilia Sorry, you were saying Yeah, the uh, Minnesota Wild um, Little little press release that came out uh, Involving uh, the jersey that they were going to wear next year And uh, it was hinted at the concept that the NHL is thinking about allowing every team in the league, uh, home and away, a third, and a throwback jersey um, that that can be used uh, at any point, kind of acting as like a, a secondary al- alternate jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen a little bit of that with like the Canucks this year, who are obviously celebrating like a 40th anniversary type deal, so they were allowed that. But most of these teams aren't allowed a throwback jersey unless there's some reason for it that the league deems, you know, reasonable. Which is kind of funny, though, because when all these teams apply for these throwback jerseys, it seems like the NHL is just like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Like, I don't know. So I'm, I'm curious know. if it's like a mandatory thing? Uh, that they're going to have to have a throwback? Yeah. Oh, I don't, I don't know. That's going to be tough for some teams that don't have a lot of good jersey history. Vegas. Not gonna lie to you, uh, Vancouver has had the most jerseys of any team in the league, probably even which is fucked considering they're not an original six team. Um, they have probably the worst jersey history in the league, though. Mm. Most of them, almost all, are terrible. Yeah, the only good ones are like the black ones that they're throwing back right now. Yeah, and they're actual jerseys right now. Those are the only two good jerseys I think they've ever had. The rest are horrendous. It'll be uh, very interesting to see uh, Islanders real if bad. we get closer to Seattle time, if the Canucks uh, make those black ones the full time, eh? Because, you know, maybe maybe there's a little bit too much, uh, you know, teal and, and green going on on the uh, West Coast. So, you know. The NHL could use more green teams, for that's, sure. That's fair. I, I, I think that, for sure. Yeah. There's not much going on in the way of green. There's really only, like, two, and one of them is the Canucks, and they can't decide if they even want to be green or not. I guess three, the Wilder Green, Stars. Yeah. 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 
Canucks, yeah. The Canucks have not like decided green? if they're green. I don't mind green. Yeah. It's got to be the right green. That's fair. Yeah. Forest green. Yeah. I'm, I'm good with a forest like I, green. Like, I, I don't mind a good lime green, but it's got to be accented with something else. Like, it Ooh. can't be your primary color. Yeah. Like, if you have, like, a blue jersey with, like, lime green accents, it'd look real good. Mm. You know? The Seattle Seahawks. Just copy them. Oh, okay. Yeah, why don't we just, like, how come the cities don't just adopt a name? I kind of... Yeah, I yeah. I kind of wonder why more teams don't just like like I kind of figured like because the Raiders are moving to Vegas, although that wasn't a done deal. But I just kind of figured like the Golden Knights were going to be, I mean, not the Golden Knights, and they would probably be like black and and gray. Yeah, but no complaints. Yeah, I think eventually they'll probably have a third that's a little more Raidery. Ooh, I can see it. I yeah, I could. Let's go. I love a good black jersey, gotta tell you. Yeah. yeah. Well, unless you're Tampa. Um, How dare you. How dare you insult those practice jerseys. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, a couple things to talk about that happened last year. Uh, Jeremy Roenick got himself into some hot water. Oh, I, I see what you did there. Yeah, thanks. Um, made some comments. We're doing um, the best of 2018 episode today. Uh, Imagine. Hmm. Our best or like the league's best? It'd be a shorter episode if we did the league's best. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Which is great considering we weren't around that long in 2018. So, only only the final four months. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, September, I guess yeah. so. Yeah. 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 Yeah, what year is it? Jeremy Roenick um, suspended from NBC for comments made about uh, a female co-worker whose name I do not have in front of me at the moment. That he made... I actually forget who it was. Was it Catherine Tappan? That I want to say it was Catherine right. Tappen. Yeah. Which um, would make sense because they do work side by side yeah. somewhat frequently. So yeah, uh, he, make, he makes the comments on, yeah, the, it was Catherine on the Spittin' Tappen. Chicklets podcast. Who, uh, yeah, people got to stop going on there. Yeah. Um, basically said that uh, he's he's uh, he's looking for a threesome with uh, his co-worker and his wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, in not so many words. Uh, that's, pre- that's actually exactly what he said. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he was pretty open about it. Yeah. Um, like he, his, his comments, I don't have them right in front of me, but it was something like, um, that he, he always, when he's on the road, he's always pushing for it. And Catherine is always not down and, and Jeremy says, I'm going to push for it always, but I know it's never going to happen. So like he was being funny about it, but it was also the wrong pretty thing to be funny dis- about. Yeah, yeah. Like, like that might be something to say with your inner circle of friends with Catherine maybe there, you know what I mean? Like, In if joking joke. with you, yeah. exactly. Like, you know, if Catherine thinks it's funny, then maybe you joke about it. Uh, however, uh, it's also possible Jeremy Roenick is just creepy and pushes for this all the time, and Catherine's not down uh, and is super creeped out by it. I don't know. Did I don't. I don't know either. Might be creepy. Um, relatively speaking, I don't think he's that creepy, but. Okay. This was creepy. Pull, pull, pull up a photo of Jeremy Roenick, just a headshot. Oh, he's a creepy looking dude. Stare yeah. at it for like five seconds. Yeah. Get back to well, me. <laughs> most hockey players look creepy by the time they're 50. Yeah. None well, of them age well. See Dale Hunter. Speaking of uh, the looking, the the looks, the looks of former NHL players, Jeremy Roenick also commented on Patrick Sharp. Uh, in Ooh, which didn't see that. He said that uh, in the same podcast that, um, uh, quote, I wouldn't say no. I'd have to think about it if he asked. Um, yeah. And then they said, well, what's it like to work with him? He's like, it's great. It's nice to have someone beautiful on the air to talk to. Kind of distracts you a little bit. Much better than having to work with Anson Carter. Uh, 
Yeah. Insinuating there that Angela Carter is not an attractive man who... I, I don't know if that's worth the debate. Well, and he also but, he also made a comment too, though, where he's like, "The nice thing about Sharp is Sharp's attractive and knows about hockey, unlike Anson <laughs> Carter." Like he like also said that Anson Carter doesn't know about hockey, which like Anson Carter is not my favorite analyst, but I would say Anson Carter is better at his job than Jeremy Roenick is. Jeremy Roenick's not horrible, but he's not great. He's not great. Like he's more, you know what he is? He's more. He's better. Than his takes, his 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 actual analysis of the game's not great. He's meant for broadcasting though; like he's pretty good at it. But um, he's got some really hard opinions about hockey that I, I guess it plays to a certain market. That older generation wants to hear that hot takeist contrarian type thing, and that was more a thing of the past. That uh, that you know, Ronick plays toward that audience. He's a player that all these guys watched before identify with and now you know he's got the same opinion as them so they love him and i i've long thought that jeremy ronick's just kind of that stale uh older mind that maybe should only be on every once in a while and shouldn't be like a full-time person at at any network really um especially not on a national scale so i i'm i don't know i'm i'm not i i'm not gonna say i'm surprised by these comments uh, they're definitely inappropriate. Uh, it belittles it belittles Catherine Tappan, Patrick Sharp, and Anson Carter, um, because quite frankly, all three of them are better at their jobs than he is. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I'm I'm getting a little sick of this whole uh, I don't know this carefree sort of spit and chicklets type of mentality where it's just kind of funny to piss people off, and I, I don't really know. I'm not really into that. Um, I, I'm not, I don't buy their whole shtick and I'm, I'm not really super into the whole idea of people going on there and just trashing all this stuff. It's, it's kind of getting a little stale to me. Yeah. Um, I, I, I gotta be honest with you. I, I think I've only ever listened to about 30 minutes of it in my life though. So, um, 30 minutes more than I have. So. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. They're fine at what they do. It's just not for me. Like the winter classic. I see. Yeah. I got you. Should he be fired for this? Is he, is he back sooner than later? Well, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. I don't think that this is something maybe that uh, he should lose his job over. Um, if he's going to lose his job, it should maybe be over other things. This is not great, though. And if I were NBC, I would probably distance myself from Ronick. I don't know if I would fire him. But um, it might be time for him to take a little bit of a step back and start working on other things. It's just like, if you want to behave that way, I don't know if NBC is the place you should be working. Like, maybe, you know what I mean? He should be on there part-time and, and start his own fucking podcast. Or, you know what I mean? Do something where it's maybe a little bit more toward his avenue. But I, I, I just, I don't really think NBC should be encouraging more guys like this. And, you know, as far as I know, like, Keith Jones is a good guy. And Keith Jones behaves pretty well from what I can tell and I don't mind him but it's nice to get some new blood in there that I actually know what they're talking about see Patrick Sharp who is fantastic at what he does so um yeah he's one of the best like in studio analysts I think out there right now in hockey he's great at it so um yeah I don't know less Ronix more Sharps Ooh, uh, I can get on board with that shifting gears a little bit 
Ilya Mikhaev, mm. um, whom some of you may know as the Russian soup kid on the Leafs, uh, <laughs> <laughs> suffered. Uh, a... I've never seen a 25 year old that I just commonly think is eight years old. Like he just like he's got that baby face to him. He's got that fun loving like style. Soup. Yeah, he's That's the soup. Yeah, like we we all just call him Soup Boy because it's like he doesn't. He doesn't speak English, so he doesn't, you know, we don't get a lot of content from him. So everything we do get, we just, like, eat it up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, did you know you broke the uh, the uh, the camera inside the net? I'm sorry. <laughs> and we thought that was the funniest thing ever. It's like, well, what else is he going to fucking say? Yeah. Like, I don't know. <laughs> You're not in trouble. Yeah. It's, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine, Ilya. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, he uh, suffered uh, quite the gruesome injury uh, in a game against the Devils? Was it yeah. the Devils game? Yeah. Yes, sir. Um, severed an artery and tendons in his wrist, um, bleeding profusely all over the ice as he skated off. Um, left immediately, went to hospital, had surgery that night, and uh, only a couple days ago was released. Yeah. Um, this actually happened before we recorded the last episode, but... You know, again, the spirit of the season. We had a guest last week. As I mentioned, I was house-sitting. You know, it was kind of like a... Um, I think it was that same night, though, wasn't it? It's kind of been... Mm, wasn't that the Friday night game? No, well, yeah, but we recorded, like... Uh, we recorded the main episode. It, it doesn't matter. But oh, yeah. uh, we, we didn't have a chance to talk about it. And, uh, and yeah. But it, it, it deserves to be talked about. Because it is, you know, we do try to discuss when these major injuries happen and i i should also mention too we didn't get a chance to actually talk about tucker tynan when it happened um but you know these were two pretty freakish injuries with uh you know skate blades which is something that we fear but we don't see that often um you know i certainly i don't think i was ever close to really having anything happen i remember a guy almost stepped on my wrist in front of the net one time it was pretty close but mm. yeah yeah, didn't you, happen. You always think of the the worst case scenarios, like you know your Clint Malerchuk or your Richard Zednicks. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's it's obviously like a a real threat. The idea, of course, is to keep both blades on the ice at all times. But uh, given the speed and uh, ferocity of the game, yeah, uh, it doesn't happen all the time. So I don't remember whose skate it was, but Mikhaev was just back checking, and a guy took a shot and had his his um, yeah it, his foot in the air because he was following through. And Mikhaev just had his wrist near his foot kind of thing. I, I believe it was a hit, actually. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Two yeah, guys yeah. going in the corner had yeah. Mikhaev bumped. The player kind of tripped up. His skate comes Either back. Either way. But, um, yeah, very scary injury. Uh, he's going to be out for, uh, they said, at least three months, probably mm-hmm. longer. Um, Season's likely done. You'd have to think. Um, a long playoff stretch, barring, maybe. Yeah, like, if the Leafs get him back for the conference final and they're in the conference <laughs> final, I think they're happy with that. I'd be happy with I'm that. I'm fine with that, yeah. too. I would, yeah. There's nothing I would love more than game one at the, I was going to call the Air Canada Center, the Scotiabank Arena against, like, the Washington Capitals, and you're telling me Ilya Mikhaev's coming back? Let's go. Could you, could you imagine getting a 55-point pace player back in the conference finals? Could you imagine being in the conference finals? Wow. Yeah. It's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> um... <laughs> Uh, some news the next day about uh, Leaf players going out, getting fitted for Kevlar. Oh, was, when, uh, um, was that a Sundin reference? I mean, he's not a 55-point player, but we got Sundin back in the conference final that year. It was not. It was just a 
the idea of getting nice. that deep without Makayev and then having a guy like Makayev come nice. back would be it's crazy. Yeah, I guess don't even need to right. don't even really need to do anything at the deadline, like if uh, barring anything else unforeseen. Yeah, because you just you're just getting that guy. Hopefully, you, 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 I'd take it. Yeah, a bunch of guys going out next day getting fitted for Kevlar. Um, Cut resistant protection. Well, I'm happy you mentioned that too, because I was going to say like that. It it is kind of nice now that there is more focus on getting some more Kevlar in the uh, in the equipment and on the body, I guess, of a hockey player, because it is it's great stuff, and you know can help prevent this type of thing. Um, One thing I would like to see, and I know like this is not the most fun take to have, but I kind of like to see more guys wearing neck guards too, like actually have like a Kevlar turtleneck on or something like that Um, because it's obviously something that's happened you know before Mm -hmm. is you know you wouldn't be the first hockey player to have their neck sliced by a skate and uh, it's kind of fucked to think that that's happened exactly so um, yeah it's uh, I'd like to see more of it I like I would sleep better at night you know especially the goalies you know like Big time. guys that are down lower to the ice near the blades more skates flying near yeah. their face and stuff like yeah. that too than a typical player so definitely i mean i think every sport is going to go and ha- it, it, they're all going to have their freak you know injuries and you can't protect everybody yeah i mean everything. like we we play a high speed sport where there's hard boards as the fucking uh as the as the out of thing, bounds. yeah, as the out of bounds, and uh, there's a bunch of steel sharp blades flying around. Like it's it's got to be the fucking most dangerous sport for sure. It's fucked. Yeah, it's honestly fucking wild with a hard rubber puck and nothing protecting your teeth. Really, like this is fucked. And you're allowed to fight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, with your helmet off. Like yeah. your helmet comes off. No, just keep punching him right in the face. Well, what if he falls? Yeah, well that's his problem. Yeah. What? <laughs> what are you talking about? He's mad. He does. He's not thinking clearly right now. What are you talking about? Oh boy. Um, and, and it's not like two versus two. There's there's like eighteen bodies on the ice. Oh yeah. Time. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> can they get, can uh, they go into the stands to fight? Well, sure, but they got to hop this big <laughs> pane of glass. Oh. And there's nothing to really stop them from doing that. No, just the glass. Oh, okay. Has it happened? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Watch the lawsuit, Ty. Yeah. Um, I watched a guy beat uh, a fan with a shoe one time, so... It's a Mike Milbury reference. Also of NBC. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Speaking of terrible NBC... <laughs> the analysts. But I'm, I'm talking to yeah. This corn dog tastes really good here. We're going to tag this with, like, Gothenburg and NBC, and then, like, all of a sudden there's going to be, like, an NBC report about Gothenburg, Sweden, and we're going to get mentioned somehow. I'm down. Yeah. Um, so should should guys have like you, you think this should be a mandatory like protect like part I of the equipment? I don't see why not. Like it you really know, doesn't. They got the short cuff gloves now that everybody likes because you know you, you like to have the wrists free. To... I, like I sort of get that guys don't like uh, cages. I kind of understand giving them the option to not wear cages, and obviously no one does. So what about the fishbowl? Sure, like you know, again, like if these guys want to protect themselves, they they should be allowed to. So that's fine, but I I, I really don't see the reason to give them the option on the neck part of it. Like it's just it it's you don't notice it. Like I wore a neck guard forever. Neck guards are uncomfortable. Kevlar, 
uh, turtlenecks are not really. Yeah. You can even buy them short sleeve if you wanted, you yeah. know, like. But it, it is it is kind of wild to think about, like, just the contrast between Canada and the U.S., where in Canada you have to wear a neck guard until mm-hmm. you're 18, and then it's up to you if you want to choose, you know, to take it off. Um, it, but in the U.S., they don't have that. It's, uh, they've never had the mandatory neck guard rule uh, in their minor system. Uh, maybe some states do, mm-hmm. but uh, at least not the ones I've played in. Um, and it, it's it's just very odd because you've got one country that you know produces a lot of NHL players that that get to the NHL level and are you know given the option to take it off. And mm-hmm. at that point, it, it's kind of a well, why would I? And on the other hand, there's there's a group of people coming up that have never worn it and and might find it uncomfortable. So like the solution to me would be just to start it in the in the junior minor levels, get everyone wearing it, get them comfortable, get them used to it. And by the time they get to the NHL, they're not going to sit there and complain about, well, it's uncomfortable. How can it be uncomfortable? You've just spent your entire life playing the sport with it on. Yeah. You're going to continue to wear it now because it's, it's a rule. And I think that's the way to handle it. Um, it just seems like a no-brainer. Uh, like, you know, like we're going to make the 10-year-old kid wear it, but not the 18-year-old yeah. kid. Like, uh, I don't I know. I mean, not, not that I'm, and I'm not even, I don't even really mean anything by this comment, but I, like, I, I would just say that, you know, USA as a whole has never really been a country to adapt. They've never really been in a well, lot of ways. citizens? Yeah. No. Y- yeah, sure. And and so, you know, like there are a lot of examples of that country doing things the ways of old. And that, and that's, that's fine to some extent. But, but this is one where it's just kind of like, you know, why not? Mm. So... Why not? Yeah, and I, I should mention too, while we're on the <laughs> subject um, about hockey being dangerous too, is Jake Gensel um, going into the boards pretty hard, and he's his season's done. Um, pretty, pretty violent injury, like one of the worst case scenario things you could imagine in hockey with not involving a skate blade. Um, so I, I do wish him a speedy recovery. Huge loss for the Penguins there as well. Hmm. We'll have to see, like 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 we mentioned, a lot of the Leaf players getting suited up for that protective equipment. Uh, hopefully, a trend that catches on because, like like we said, kind of a no brainer. Um, something the league should, I, I would imagine, should take a, a hard look at and, and maybe come up with like a better a better system. But mm-hmm. obviously, not for us to decide. Um, surprise, surprise! Another player wants out of Buffalo, New York. Uh, Evan Rodriguez. <sighs> Uh, coming out today, stating that he what a wants uh, he wants out of Buffalo. He doesn't like uh, where he is in the in the roster, how he's being utilized on the depth chart. Uh, healthy scratch for four games in a row now, or something like that. Um, Can you think of another professional sports franchise where more guys have asked for a trade to get out of that team in the last like four or five years? No, I, I really like. It's a long list, like Ryan Ryan O'Reilly. Robin Leonard, both of which have gone on to do much better things since they left. Yeah. You've got Patrick Berglund, who is essentially banished from the National Hockey League because of how bad he hated Buffalo. Uh, Zach Bogosian's there. He wants out. Evan Rodriguez now you add to the list. Like, It's kind of concerning the amount of players that are having issues playing there. And it's hard to kind of pinpoint what it actually is because there have been different general managers there have been different coaches like the coaches changed mm-hmm. constantly like they, they have one of the best player coaches the in the NHL right now as well like that's yeah yeah Terry Pagula doesn't own them anymore no like he 
has been recently, on, he's a new owner. Like no. he didn't own the team five years ago. Really? No. I thought he's always owned them. No. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. Um, it's just this. This is a team that it's getting to be somewhat concerning because you know you see all these other cities where you know seemingly worse places to live maybe and like bigger issues within the organization and and you know you don't see guys coming out and asking for trades all the time so whether this is you know a normal thing and and you know it, it would make sense if it were the general managers leaking it all the time like if it were always uh is it still tim murray no no it's uh uh Botterill? yeah uh you know if Botterill were leaking this all the time but you know it's coming from the agents and it's coming from the players and that's uh it's quite telling as, as far as i'm concerned mm-hmm. uh while we're on the subject too evan rodriguez i think is a great pickup for any team that needs forward depth uh if the edmonton oilers have not called about the buffalo sabers uh forward evan rodriguez yet they probably should do so there's a few teams for sure um would look real good in in a leafs jersey i think so like don't have the money but it's it's obviously it's becoming a trend here in buffalo um but on the flip side you've got guys like jeff skinner resigning there and you know wanting to make buffalo their home and you know committing long-term deals parts of their lives to to stay and, and play for the city so is is it a situation where it's the losing that's affecting some of these more, you know, outside, you know, on the, on the fringe type players. Well, I mean, if you're not playing and you're not playing well, and the team's not winning, and you don't like the city, then what the hell reason do you have to stay there if there's no reason to believe that? But it's Ryan ever O'Reilly get obviously did not fit that well that mold either. No, and you're right. So, yeah, um, a very odd situation, regardless of how you slice it, because you you're seeing superstars, you're seeing fringe guys both wanting out. While at the same time, other guys wanting to stay. So, um, I mean, they don't have a ton of cap space. Like, there's not a lot of opportunity if you're a player in that organization right now to earn um, a lot more money than you already are. Like, pretty much, you're you're going to have to leave anyway if you want to raise at this point with mm-hmm. Buffalo. You know, they got six million a year committed to Kyle Oposo. They got four and a half million a year committed to uh, committed to Johansson, which Johansson's been okay, but he hasn't been great. Um, you know, five million committed to Bogosian, and you know Bogosian comes off the books at the end of the year. But you know, m- my point is that it's kind of hard to rise above some of these other guys too when they're getting paid a certain amount, and um, coaches feel obligated to pay these guys that or play these guys that are making money. So I I don't know. It's 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 a tough situation. I think I, I really can't pinpoint why um, this team seems to have such large issues keeping these guys though um i understand for rodriguez i think rodriguez is a little bit of an outlier though in the sense that you know he deserves an opportunity to play he only makes two million dollars a year and he is hoping to make more than that next year and um you know he can't do that if he's not given an opportunity to showcase his skills so at 26 years old like it's kind of make or break right now for evan rodriguez and i don't blame him for trying to find a place that will give him the opportunity because uh, he is definitely an NHL forward, in my opinion. Um, so I'd like to see him have the opportunity somewhere else. Yeah, I, I obviously right there with you. I, th- I think a, a change of scenery might be best for him. And 
Um, I think he'll definitely get an opportunity if uh, if it's made you know available by the Sabers. Uh, if not, uh, the summer will prove a, an open window for him, and he can kind of pick and choose what he wants to do. But um, yeah, just it's like you said, it's becoming a, a very strange trend. Um, and you know what? I'm I'm not. I, I don't enjoy it. Like it's it's actually kind of upsetting to think that I, a team is having this. Yeah, you know, this I issue. I don't like to think that there are any teams in any professional sports league. To be quite honest with you. Where, you know, they're they're having issues keeping guys. Like you would think at the NHL level with thirty-one teams that these teams have enough money and enough resources and enough, you know, staff and things to just keep these guys happy. And with Rodriguez, you know, maybe it's just a, a career decision. But a lot of these other guys just genuinely don't want to play there and are generally like having a bad time playing there and. You know, I, I, I talked about it a few years ago. I thought the makeup of Buffalo's roster when they, you know, got Bogosian and they, they signed Oposo and they signed, um, uh, I mean, like, they've got Eichel, they had Evander Kane. You know, I was always a little bit concerned about the character and the, you know, maybe environment in that room. Some of these guys have, have left, but, you know... I've always wondered if there's a culture problem in Buffalo. And I'm not in that room and I'm not around the team and you know, but it's just from the outside looking in that looks like that might be a thing that exists. And you know, Evander Kane's gone to San Jose and they're not doing that well, but when he first got there, he was doing really well and um, you know, Thornton seemed to have calmed him down quite a bit and um that's great. But you know, I wonder if there's something to it in the room in Buffalo is all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I mean, a lot of these guys seem absolutely miserable, too, when they when the they thing, ask yeah. to get out. Like, it's not like I, I'm asking for a trade and I, like, politely would like to be moved. Like, Ryan O'Reilly said that he almost retired. Robin Leonard had a nervous breakdown. Like, and I'm not saying that all of that has to do with the hockey aspect of it, but it's quite clear that it's a difficult place to play. Yeah. And for whatever reason that is, I don't know, but they're going to need to change something. They have one of the best players in the world. And if he's part of the problem, then that's a different conversation. But I would like to believe that a player of his caliber can be surrounded with the right guys that can kind of move this group forward and, and set them on the right track. But uh, I, I, it kind of concerns me if Ryan O'Reilly isn't one of those guys to be part of the solution. True. Yeah. You know? odd, odd for sure. Well, uh, I mean, it, it's almost at the point now where you're saying like, who's next? Uh, who's, who's next guy up here that wants out of Buffalo. So hopefully not a trend that lasts much longer. Cause I, I think if this team gets winning uh, and you can, it's a cliche, but you know, winning kind of changes everything. So um, I'd, I'd love it if Buffalo was, you know, relevant well, and, and competitive again. And it's easy to write negative stories and have negative opinions about teams that aren't winning. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's really hard for anyone to come out and and have you know complaints about the Washington Capitals the last few years. They won the cup. They're great every season, winningest team of the decade. And you know, how often do you hear negative takes about them? Yeah. You know, the biggest knock, I guess, is people like to nitpick Ovechkin's game and that that's something that you know I think we're all used to now but it's it's a ridiculous opinion to have I think mm-hmm. but 
you know, it, it's easy to kind of spin these things in a negative way when it's really going downhill and pile on. Yeah. Your buddy John is back in the news. John Tortorella making some uh, some comments. Chor- uh, Chozik? No. Your other buddy John. Maybe Chozik. Yeah. Uh, uh yeah, I I I I've always been sort of well not always been uh, lately the like the last I don't know ten years I guess have been pretty conflicted on my opinion of John Tortorella. I don't really know how I feel about him. I don't think he's a particularly amazing nor bad coach, um, but he's a pol- polarizing figure. So it makes you think that you need to have an opinion one way or another on him. And I'm kind of in the middle. I don't I don't love the coach. I definitely don't hate the man. Uh, I'm kind of somewhere in the middle. Yeah, and um, yeah, he uh, he lost his mind again the other night, and uh, to be fair, I think that it was uh, pretty justified. Honestly, mm-hmm. I I understand the NHL like the NHL had to fine him. Kind of surprised the fine wasn't bigger. Um, it's kind of wild to think that one uh, coach rid like you know blow up to the press bashing the league is worth the equivalent of like five spears to the junk. Yeah, uh, in the NHL's eyes. yeah, but I know it is um, kind of backwards. So I didn't, I didn't see the uh, the comments. Like, he made. You can do whatever you want on the ice, but God forbid you ever say anything negative about the NHL when you're representing the NHL. Like, I, like I don't know. You've got thousands and thousands of employees. It's pretty understandable when uh, one of them has their job directly affected by an NHL error, hmm. and they're unhappy with right. it. You know, um, especially when you put as much like effort and blood and sweat into the team as as head coaches do and obviously the players do too and i'm not belittling every other job but head coaches literally wake up and they're like they don't do anything else their entire fucking day is like watching game tape and like making plans like they don't get days off so when they get upset it's you know it's pretty fair take it yeah take it for what it's worth so i didn't see the interview myself but i did i did hear about what happened there was a clock malfunction in the game uh, in overtime, um, that the NHL refused to address, uh, had ample opportunity to do so. A timeout was called. Um, a request to check the clock was made by the Blue Jackets. Uh, all all this time allotted to the officials. Uh, the requests they all went on deaf ears. The, they you know told them basically play on. We're you know, we're not going to check the clock, which seems like you know. Not as much a, a fault of the NHL as a fault of the ref- referees doing the game at that moment. And the officials in Toronto. Because, yeah, it is, their, it is their job to reset the clock. But yeah, like, like essentially what happened, like if you didn't see it, is the, uh, the Blue Jackets, there was a too many men penalty, and the clock needed to be adjusted after the penalty, and Tortorella felt that there should have been about a second and a half more on the clock than what it got adjusted to, because it got adjusted to 18.1 and should have been 19.5 or something like that. And uh, so then Zach Wierenski scores after the buzzer goes in overtime, which it would have been enough time for it to be a goal had the clock been correct. And then, of course, it goes to a shootout because there was no score after overtime. And Jonas Corpusallo, the starting goaltender of the Columbus Blue Jackets, uh, gets hurt in the shootout. And I believe the Blue Jackets lose the game in the shootout once Merzlikens comes in. So I really understand why he's he's annoyed about it. And from what I understand, some people believe that 
Torts was right about the clock thing, and that it actually didn't get adjusted properly. So, it is what it is, but... But was it adjusted at all? It was. Or was it just left the way it was on the ice? Uh, I believe it was adjusted and just incorrectly, from what I understand. Huh. Yeah. That's... uh... That's a pretty egregious error to make. Yeah, you can kind of understand why he fucking lost his mind yeah. after the game. Yeah. He came in, yelled at the microphone for about 45 seconds, and then said he's not taking any fucking questions and left. I haven't seen Torts get that mad since, well, I guess the Vancouver incident. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't busting into the officials just no, in there, yeah. I don't think I've seen him that mad in Columbus. And I can really understand where he was coming from. It's sort of unfortunate for him because he has to lie in the bed that he's made. And unfortunately, he has done this in the past. And therefore, when he does it now, it gets handled a little bit more seriously than maybe if Rick Bonus did it. You know? So, it's unfortunate for him, but it's also his own fault that, you know, it costs him $20,000. Yeah. And they've put him on probation now, so... uh in the next calendar year, if he has any incidents like this, he's just going to get fined again and maybe removed from his job if it's bad enough, but probably not. Well, uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where, like you said, it, it's kind of ridiculous how the, the structure works where you, the fine here is so much more than, than it is for players on the ice for certain acts, but, like, it's it's just, it's, it's something that doesn't need, like, this shouldn't be an issue. Like, the, there's no way that this should be happening in the league, we saw something similar a few uh, seasons ago with uh, the clock kind of pausing uh, during overtime mm-hmm. and denied a goal. Um, and it's like, you know, okay, that happens back in 1955. I get it. The uh, the guy with the stopwatch in the corner didn't hit pause fast enough. I you know yeah. I get it, but this is all computerized yeah, stuff now. Especially in minor hockey, like that's that's the one thing too. Like I've always. You know, we've gotten fucked by the clock as coaches before, and it's kind of like, well, you, you have to take it all with a grain of salt. Yeah. Because you got a fucking 17-year-old kid who's looking for his volunteering hours running the clock sometimes, and it's like, yeah, okay, that was a 45-minute game, but was it a 45-minute game? <laughs> like, was that was that actually closer to 47, or did we only play 40 minutes? Yeah. And, like, that sounds ridiculous, but I have seen games where the clock is getting, like, messed up so frequently that I would imagine there there might have been three or four minutes of error. Like, that's how much. Mm-hmm. And that's fine in minor hockey because there's no other way to check it. There's no... It's literally just a glorified stopwatch. But in the NHL, when, when we all have our phones set to the same time because it's this whole global internet system where it's all this one, you know, big thing and we can all agree that the time is what it is kind of thing to the minute. You would think the NHL would be able to kind of have well, not only some that, sort like of. I a, would imagine the NHL's got more than one guy doing it too. Like yeah, more than one clock. Even yeah, you know what I mean. Like someone yeah as a failsafe in yeah. case that guy you know and and like it's absolutely as, ridiculous. like it sounds ridiculous, but in the same sense that referees have to like train to get to the NHL, you'd think there's even like timekeepers maybe have like oh this guy's really fucking good at hitting that button and that's why he's there you know what i mean yeah apparently not yeah i apparently it's just some kid getting his volunteer hours we should train a dog like every time i hear a whistle to like you know bop a button with its nose might be more reliable than than humans so bop a button okay um 
Yeah, pretty wild that that's uh, an issue in 2020. 2020. Speaking of 2020, the 2020 World Juniors. This is 2020. Fuck. Round robin play has ended. We've got our matchups for the quarterfinals taking place today. Uh, Semis go Saturday. Golden bronze on Sunday. Mixed in there, you got your relegation games uh, for those that you know care that much about that. Real, um, real tough for Germany. They had a, they yeah. had a team to make some noise if they were in that other group. I think. Yeah. Like I think Germany finishes third in that other group, and it, it's it's tough for them. But I, I think they understand. Like it is what it is. They had to work to even get to this tournament. And, and you know, Kazakhstan too. Like Kazakhstan had a pretty good tournament. This is one of the stronger. Groups of ten, I think we've ever seen. Um, Kazakhstan came close to upsetting Slovakia here. Like in terms of their separation, it's tough that Kazakhstan is more than likely going to get relegated here because they they had a good tournament, man, and and kudos to them Um, because that that was probably the most competitive I think I've ever seen them. Yeah, I I know we're all excited to see Austria next year, but uh, who's who's going down? Is it is it Kazakhstan? Yeah, Germany's win that relegation. I, I think Germany. Germany wins the games handedly. To be honest yeah, with you, I think so too. Yeah, the, the, those those trio of young guys they got uh, in there mixed with Moritz Sider. Um, Sider won't be back, but I'm I'm gonna I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm real excited to see this team Germany next year with those young guys that they got. Those 17 year olds, another year older. Fuck, you know, this... Stutzel might be in the NHL. Yeah, I, I'm not. Well, he might be, but we we, we joke about it. But this is this is a, a country on the rise, and you know. You kind of saw glimpses of it with the dry cycle years a couple of years ago, but it was a, it was definitely a one man show then, and it was it was Leon dry settles going to take the team and and kind of run with it. But this this was this was a team. This was much more than one guy was leading Germany. Uh, mm. Their their goaltender Hane looked great. Uh, we talked about Sider, uh, probably going to in my mind he's the defenseman of the tournament. Um, they got the young guys. They've got uh, the first rounder uh, in St. Louis. Uh, uh, Got the first name Bach, um, Carolina now. Right, uh, Justin Falk trade. Um, Bach, he had a great tournament. Um, Schutz, Stutzel, uh, Petreka. Uh, this, 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 this is more than a, a one-man effort. Like I said, an older team, but not, but not in the sense that you know, they're going to drop off next year completely. Uh, no. Hopefully, those seventeen-year-olds take the leap and, and can kind of. Come back next year. And- sort of reminded me of the year that Switzerland kind of broke through, and and right. know, Switzerland was always on the on the NHL. Well, sorry, on the like the best on best men's tournaments, uh, the World Championships, and things like that. Like they'd always been a pesky team, but you didn't really see their hockey program take many steps forward. And now, like now, they're probably the sixth or seventh best country at churning out talent and actual. You know, they have a good hockey program, is what I'm saying. Yeah. And you know they they per- surpassed Slovakia, and they're they were getting to the point where people were wondering if they were going to surpass Czech Republic as a as a hockey nation, and they haven't quite gotten there yet. But what Germany sort of reminded me of this year is is Switzerland when mm-hmm. Switzerland broke out, and now they are this. You know, it was a really good showing by the Germans this year, and and they should be they should be really really happy with what they put forward because. Uh, yeah, they were a pesky, pesky fucking team in a in a super strong five oh, five team group. Yeah, uh, like like uh, to the point where I would say that the Czechs were almost as like on par with the Germans, and the Czechs had one of the best teams that they've had in a while as well. Mm-hmm. You know, well the, the, at and, least and two speak, or three speaking years. Speaking of the Czechs, like 
they needed a, a very desperate, gutsy uh, effort to get a game to overtime just to avoid being in Germany's spot because Germany had the tiebreaker. Mm-hmm. Germany beat these guys in the round robin. Like Germany went into that last day of action. They were they were comfortable. All they needed was you know the Czech Republic to lose to the U.S., which didn't seem impossible. I think the Germans kind of knew, you know, we're not going to beat, um, you know, Russia, you know, all things being equal. But there was a real possibility that they didn't have to because the Czechs probably were going to lose to the U.S. and Canada the, uh, on the final day. Sorry, the, the day before then, uh, the USA's last game. Yeah. Um, uh, the, the Czechs, you know, they, they act, act, act out that, that one point they needed and it was enough and it got them through. And, you know, kudos to them being the hosts and all. It's, it's, I think it's better if the hosts have something to cheer for fan-wise and keeps the tournament engaged and, you know, you're, you're not going to have an empty building for the, the next game. But mm-hmm. um, real tough to see the Germans go out in that fashion. So, yeah, we got our matchups for the quarters tomorrow. Um, we're going to see uh, Sweden, who won Group uh, A, take on uh, fourth place Czech Republic. Canada winning Group B, taking on Slovakia. Uh, the second place U.S. team versus the Finns, and the, the kind of somewhat surprising um, second place Swiss team taking on the Russians. Mm-hmm. Um, Switzerland actually finishing with the second best record in round robin play, mm-hmm. better than Canada, better than Russia, better than the U.S. Were you, did, did that surprise you? Did Did you think that Switzerland was this good, or was this just kind of a, a lucky? Yeah. I certainly didn't think Christian Woolwind was the problem the past few years, but maybe he was. Yeah, all this time. Yeah. Our, our our beautiful... What am I supposed to tell yeah. them? I don't know. Tell them that you could win the game, maybe. Tell them the right thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you ever think about telling them to win? Oh, yeah. I never thought about that. I don't know why I made him out to be German. He's Canadian. But, um, yeah. Uh, you know, it's going to be interesting. I, I think Russia's going to beat Switzerland, but it's hard to say. It was um, it was a tough tough situation there. The last game of the uh, round robin for Group A was Switzerland Finland, and the winner is going to get Russia. Yeah, you know, the loser gets the U.S. So you know, there's really no winner in that scenario. No. But um, just kind of funny how that that works out. That USA the- looks like they have more fundamental issues than Russia does. Because yeah, U- USA I think has head and shoulders the best roster in the tournament. I, th- I think that's ridiculous, and for whatever reason their head coach doesn't seem to be able to evaluate the talent that he has on his team. And in my opinion, put together one of the worst coaching performances at 3-1. Put together one of the worst round-robin coaching performances I have ever seen. But, um, you know, that that's a conversation for maybe next week yeah. uh, to see where the U.S. turns out. But, um, yeah, I, I'm fairly confident that Russia's going to beat Switzerland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you never know. Well, and that's the thing. Like Switzerland, they look. Switzerland is kind of the um, worst case scenario for Russia too, though, because the Swiss like to play this tight checking, you know, never give an inch type of style where they're just going to outwork you and be able to win games that way. And Russia is known to be more of a skill finesse, and your opportunities will come when they come type team. Uh, and if the opportunities don't show up for Russia, then I don't know if they're going to be able to outwork the Swiss. Mm-hmm. Uh, Valentin Nussbaumer leading the Swiss with seven points in the round robin. Um, tied for uh, second uh, in, in uh, the entire tournament. Um, Who led the tournament? Uh, Zegras in the U.S. there with his 
five thousand yeah. assists. Yeah, and he yeah. You know, plays fucking ten minutes a game. Yeah, so that's did, good. Didn't score a goal, but he led the t- a tournament in scoring. Yeah. So we'll run through it real quick here because uh, we've got it. A uh, bit of a new structure this year. Uh, the Double IHF going without brackets uh, mm-hmm. for this year's tournament. Um, so there will be a reseeding amongst the teams after the quarterfinals. So let's let's just uh, take a second here. We'll evaluate. We'll we'll see how the how we think that this is going to go. So you you've got the Swiss over. Uh, you, sorry, you've got Russia over the Swiss. Um, and I, I I I do agree. I think the Swiss are probably you know the worst case scenario for Russia, but I I, I do think that the Russians get by there. Uh, Canada Slovakia. I'm not going to ask your opinion. I I think I know already. Uh, the Canadians are going to walk all over the uh, technically. Uh, yeah, ninth place team. They're they're really not good. No. Um. Yeah, and you know, they've they've taken some step back steps back that hockey program because at, at one time they were, you know, I would say like fifth or sixth in the world, and for whatever reason they can't really seem to piece it back together. And I I, I don't know why. I don't really know much about the minor hockey system in Slovakia, but well, uh, funny you say that. Because I probably have like little cousins running around playing there. Yeah. I have no fucking idea, but funny you say that because they have a different system than every other country in the tournament does in, in which they, they have don't believe in age groups. Yeah. That's <laughs> kind of fucked up. They, their, their entire minor <laughs> five year olds playing against midget players is designed around the idea of, um, you know, your, your teammates. So you've got seven and eight year olds that play together their entire lives. And when it comes time for the juniors, they're going to the national team because they've played for 10 years together on a team. I think it's hard to develop kids that way. Like I, th- I think because I, I think you rely more on old habits than you do when you play with old guys. I, I feel like when you play with different people all the time, it kind of forces you to look at the game a, a different way. And I've always been more of a fan of, you know, playing with different guys, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and... and as a coach, I, I feel like it has improved my teams more when I rely more on, you know, changing things up every once in a while rather than, you know, keeping the same guys together all year, all the time, and trying to pick the same fucking mm-hmm. team every year. And um, it doesn't work that well. Yeah. There's something to be said for chemistry, but maybe it's for sure I mean, too much in, but, in but, a slowback's case. You know, is chemistry just the best option that you can find because you don't want to try to... I mean, not always, but like you know, there's something to be said too for the fact that maybe you think you have the the best chemistry in your lineup, but maybe it's just the best option you've found so far. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. Sweden check. We always like to talk about the Sweden, <laughs> the Sweden. That's the perfect matchup for the Swedes to lose, right? Um, yeah, I, I still think the Swedes will pull it off, but um, they are without one of their best defensemen now in Rasmus Sandin. And I don't know, like, it's it's hard for me to imagine that the Czechs can shut down Nils Hoglander and, and that offense. But Sweden, you know, Sweden hasn't lost a game in 13 years. How many gold medals do they have in those 13 years? Right. One? Yeah. Do they have two? They have one. Yeah. So, I don't know. There's something, something weird with that Swedish team every year. And I don't know if maybe it's just they get a better draw and maybe they're turning into the attitude that we have about Russia where it's this team that, you know, relies on talent maybe too much and they, they can't outwork you and they, they can't out coach you some years and they need Ricard Gronberg back. Mm. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I still think Sweden will pull that one off. Yeah. I, I, I do agree. It's hard for me to really like the Czechs are dangerous, 
and you know they are coming off a big loss, but they they look really brutal against Canada. Yeah, like that wasn't so much a Canada seven two win as it was a Czech Republic seven two loss. Yeah, well, and it's it's it'd be impressive if they were to to pull it off too, just in the sense that. They're going through so much as a team right now. Like the, the number of injuries that they are have piled up. That's another thing. Uh, both of their starting goaltenders. Uh, now, mind you, Dostal might be back for the quarters tomorrow or today. Sorry, but you know the third string goalies going in against Canada uh, in, in the last game of the Merrick tournament. Malik's kid. Yeah, not not something that you want to see. And then you've got your top two centermen gone out. Uh, Jacob Lacko, who played all of sixty seconds in the tournament. Oh, game one. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're pulling guys uh, to add to their roster from Ostrava that happen to be uh, under twenty and can skate mm-hmm. and sticking them on their roster. Mm-hmm. Like this, this is a team that is absolutely just well. You have to give it to they're them. Trying. Like, they're they're yeah. trying to gut it out. They're at home. You know, they're trying to give it to the fans here and everything like that. But it's at some point, it's just you don't have the bodies. You don't have you know the. I couldn't the get over that. To, that spearing penalty too. Like I, I don't know what the fuck you're thinking when yeah. you're 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 down two nothing to Canada. You probably shouldn't be down two nothing to Canada though. You're you have so many injuries and so many you know. You need to weather that storm and get through those next few minutes without you know anything bad going down. And what what do you do? You take one of the stupidest penalties I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, oh, the like, brutal uh, toss from that game. No word on a suspension. Yet. Yeah, I mean to me, like I. I not only should he not play the rest of the tournament, he should probably get an IHF ban for a few extra games too. Yeah, but you know, I mean, it, uh, it's it's the same thing. Like the Brinkat did the same thing years ago, and he didn't get anything for it, and uh, he got tossed from a game in a five minute major. And I don't know. I think the Brinkat should have got banned for a year from international hockey for yeah, it. Yeah, way way worse than the uh, not a spearing uh, thing that was going. Yeah, on, and it's yeah. I mean, no excuse for that, to that either. But yeah, if yeah. you're going to give a game for that, you got to at least give a game for this. Yeah, you know, at the very. I least. get that. You know, game by game basis, IHF is a little more crucial than NHL. You can kick a guy out for five games in the NHL, and it might not have any impact. But kick a guy out for five games in the in the in the uh, the World Juniors, like you know, and you ban him for five IHF games, you know, that might stop him from getting selected to an Olympic team in the mm-hmm. future, right? So, yeah. um, which you know, I don't think there's any excuse not to do it. But I understand that maybe the IHF feels like they have their hands tied a little bit more by it. But stay lovey. Mm-hmm. Uh, our last matchup then is uh, the U.S. versus Finland. The U.S. finishing second in Group B, Finland third in Group A. The defending champs, two losses uh, in the round robin. Kind of surprisingly, uh, the last. Yeah, I haven't been overly Finland. impressed by them. Yeah, but they did take Sweden overtime. Like uh, mm-hmm. they've, they've kind of been all over the map. Kari Pirinen, uh only the one appearance in net for them. Looked lights out, uh, mind you. It was against Kazakhstan, so that, that you know he can't take that for everything it's oh, worth. Kazakhstan, um, and then Patrick Pustola, uh, who led their team in scoring four goals, three assists uh, for seven points. But they, you, like you said, they're going up against a, a team USA that might have the best roster on paper in the tournament. So it's hard to say. Uh, this is going to be a close. I think this is going to be the closest matchup of the first round, uh, the quarterfinals, the US and okay. Finland. I can see this going overtime. I can see this going to shoot out. Uh, I, you know, I can see this going both ways. To be honest with you, like I, I, a big part of me wants to take the Finns because I don't think that they've played to their full potential yet in the tournament. But on the other hand, if they haven't figured it out by now, they're probably not going to figure it out with an extra day off in between. So, 
I don't know. I'm, I'm going to stick with the USA, although uh, with the caveat, I, I could easily see Finland sliding in there instead. Uh, I will take Finland. You'll take Finland. Yeah. All right. I, well, I, which is funny because I took USA to win the uh, win the tournament initially. Um, I, I have little to no faith in that team right now for some reason. I, I just it's hard to it's hard to believe that you can win without Trevor Zegras on the ice as much as you can put him out there. Like the team is good, but he is for sure your best player. He is probably the best player in the entire tournament. And to believe that you can play him like 12, 14 minutes a game is insane. Yeah. Like that's like Canada having Barrett Hayton and playing him 12 minutes, 14 minutes a night. He's your captain. He was just in the NHL. Why, like, you know what I mean? Why would Canada do that? Zgras was not in the NHL, but he is clearly, like, the best forward on the team. Put him on the ice. Mm-hmm. And play him at center, for the love of God. Like, he's a centerman. Put him at center, for fuck's sakes. Like, I, I really don't understand. I, I, he's got a hard-on for this top line, uh, having all this chemistry. And sure, they've been good. But, I don't know. You, you're allowed to have players better than your first line. Yeah. Just because they have chemistry. We're here we are talking about fucking chemistry again. Like, give me a break. It'll be interesting to see what they do if they get into a little bit of trouble, if they get down early to the fins, if you know, if, if their coach is gonna be willing to shake things up and, mm-hmm. and and try something new. Um So working off the assumption that we know what we're talking about, we've got Sweden and Russia in the semis. Uh that's the one in six seeds, surprisingly enough. Um coin toss, honestly. Uh I think Russia wins that. Uh, if I'm being honest, but that's mostly to do with Sweden's uh, inability to win in the past, more mm-hmm. so than their, you know, ability to win this year, which maybe is the wrong way to look at it. But that's how I'm going to look at it. So uh, I'll take Sweden in the semis there. Uh, yeah, in that scenario, I would, I would, I would take Russia. Yeah, over Sweden. And that leaves Canada versus for you the Finns. Canada. Something that we saw last year in the quarterfinals. That uh, did, I'll take Canada. That did not I, I think Canada's still yet to play their best hockey. I still really like the team they've got this year. You know, they they have some of the best players in the tournament and probably the best shooter in the tournament in Nolan Foot. So whether or not that blue line can kind of step up, I think is is the question for me. You know, because Joel Hofer's been great, so. Yeah, I, I Canada, Finland. I'll take Canada. Okay, so that uh, that gives you a gold medal final of Russia versus Canada. Yeah, give me a break here. Yeah, what 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 I like, you know, hmm. Canada. What am, what am, what am I supposed to, what am I I, I'm t- what am I I'm ta- say? I'm taking Canada. What am I going to tell them? I I don't think at any point last year did I take Canada to win this tournament, and I'm 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 taking them this year. There you go. Yeah, uh, six nothing win. <laughs> That'd be fucking awesome. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Um, I'm taking the U.S. over Canada in the semis. Okay. I think that that first matchup was uh, kind of a wake-up call for the U.S. in a lot of ways. and uh, Should have been. Should have been. Yeah. Um, I think Trevor Zegras played like 10 minutes yeah. that game. I don't even remember seeing him. I think they go into the next matchup with a little bit more uh, knowledge, a little bit more you know that something to prove attitude and you see that in the world juniors and it it, it you laugh about it at the nhl level it, it's a thing in in the juniors and and when these kids get on a certain high or a certain low um it's tough to break out of it tournament's so. fucking awesome um so much fun 
That's just, just so much fun to watch. That gives me a, a Russia USA gold medal matchup, and I'm gonna have to stick with the US on that one. Um, Russia USA, sorry, is that yeah, what you for me. Okay, uh, I'm taking the US on that one again. They, they look, they looked absolutely dominant over the Russians in their in their round robin game. It's gonna be so mint with all these predictions when uh, at six thirty tomorrow yeah. morning, Switzerland beats Russia one nothing. Yeah, before this episode's even out, probably. And yeah, I'll, I'll be up watching it, but yeah. I, the episode won't be out. So. Oh, you're going to get up and watch that I'm game at 6.30? Oh, yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. Feel free to uh, come over for coffee. Uh, I yeah. I might get up for the 9 o'clock game, which I guess is Canada. Yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah. So. Uh, okay, there you have it. Uh, Brutes has Canada winning gold, and um, I'm an evil traitor. So, yeah. um, Son of a bitch. Yeah. Um, any any other notes from the World Juniors? Anything you wanted to talk about? Uh, things you liked, things you didn't like? Um, loved the atmosphere and have never seriously considered going to Europe for a tournament uh, as much as I currently am. Uh, I would be very interested in going in 2022 to Sweden, but we're also talking about going in 2021 to Edmonton Red Deer. And I'm not really sure that going two years in a row is going to be all that practical for me. So Probably we'll not. see. No, But, because uh, it's not cheap. But, you know, it looks like... I, I like how I'm saying like it looks like a lot of fun. I've been to the World Juniors. It is incredible. Yeah. Um, so I think going on a trip like that would be even more fun. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that the Czechs have done, as far as I can tell, a great job as hosts. They should be very oh, proud of themselves. Looks like a blast. And, um, yeah, I've never been so interested to go to the Czech You're Republic. You're losing 7-2 to Canada on the last game of the tournament. Everybody's the whole drunk. arena's bouncing hammered i love it yeah. it's it's been fantastic no they, they have a great a great atmosphere there yeah and, um, hats off to the hosts and you know what honestly yeah. like i was talking about this the other night about how the hosts it's, it's always canada usa russia gets a few sweden gets a few finland gets a few less the czech republic have it once a decade it would be kind of great if we could get this tournament in more countries the way, like, you ever watch, like, Germany Elite League hockey? Their fans, their stadiums are absolutely electric. Could you imagine getting this type of tournament into into Germany for, for a couple weeks? And just, like, watching them appreciate their team in front of them, uh, help grow the game, get more kids interested in the game. But instead, we're keeping it out of these struggling countries because we're not sure if they're going to be there next year. Okay, well, if they're not, then tough, you know, tough titties. We, we, we play, we play on, grow the game. You know, take take a chance. I'm not, I'm not saying play in Germany every second year, but we should be definitely making an effort here to expand. Slovakia has never hosted the damn the damn tournament. It's been there every year since since it was a country. Never hosted the tournament. Uh, so. In my eyes, it's just this is a great example. I really hope the Double IHF takes a look at what's going on in the Czech Republic and, and says like, "There's something here. We gotta start, you know, doing a better effort of, of getting this to more people in different countries." And I get that Europe's small and you can drive if you really wanted to go see the tournament, but there's something different about it being in your own country with your own team in front of you that you can cheer on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the interesting thing I've always considered too is is if the IIHF is willing to have this tournament in a country where the team is not playing and how that might work out. Because, like, you know, there was a real chance that Czech Republic is a team that is somewhat in danger of getting relegated sometimes. Well... Because they're never, like, the best team yeah. in the tournament. 
And if they lose the wrong couple of games, like, this year they might have got relegated. And so what if the tournament next year was supposed to be in Czech Republic and somehow they managed to drop two of three against Kazakhstan in the relic? Like, it's just, it could have happened. Yeah. Don't, well, there was I never would have bet years, on that. Yeah, a couple but, years ago where the year Finland hosted the year before, yeah. they had to play for relegation. Yeah. You know, they were in that, that bottom two team. And, uh, you know, what do you do, right? I, I, does the tournament have other cities as backup options? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, like, my thought would be is probably the IIHF would be more willing to just abandon the whole relegation thing. And if you're a relegated team, you're going to play in the tournament anyway. Um, then, you know what I mean, having to scramble and move the tournament a year out, like, it's not that easy to do. Hmm. So... They would probably just have to force it. But, I mean, it would be interesting to see the tournament in Austria. I'd like to see it in Denmark. Sure. Um, you know, mostly because I know you really want to go to Denmark. Let's go to Denmark. And so, you know, I, I, I think it'd be interesting to see it. Let's go I, to Denmark. It'd be, it'd be interesting to see it somewhere else. And, yeah. um, you know, I definitely am not going to argue with Canada getting to host it so often. But I'm not opposed to it being... In other places. I really am baffled as to why Siberia, Siberia? is hosting in two years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you guys didn't know that, Siberia is hosting this in two years. Yes. That Siberia. Not Siberia, Ontario or something like that. Like, literal Siberia. My entire knowledge of Siberia was just like, it's just prisons and snow. Like, I, I assumed there was nothing there but prisons. And if you're bad in Russia... You get sent to the Siberian prison, and maybe maybe in these prison communities, you know they they stuck together and 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 they they played hockey when they could in their in their prison outdoor time, and the Siberian prison teams begun to band together and start a league of their own amongst prisoners, amongst inmates, and those inmates expanded the overall growth of the sport. In Siberia, and the locals took notice. The sheep farmers, the snow plickers, and now hockey has a place in Siberia. Uh, the The average temperature in January in Siberia is minus sixteen. <laughs> That's not that bad, actually. It's not that good. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say like forty two. <laughs> it's colder than the North Pole there. I assume. <laughs> Okay, I think we're I think we're at uh, top ten time now. Yeah, uh, I, I wanted to quickly uh, ask you if you wanted to analyze anything from our list top ten that we tweeted. I was going to ask you that for the for those of you who didn't see, I guess we will mention quickly because we did tweet out some top tens uh, that you know I know a lot not all of you have Twitter, but we did do um, some decade related top tens, and some of them were just kind of quicker and, and you know, well, I mean the issue we didn't do two of them was because they're not hockey related. And then the other one was just kind of, I don't, I don't really know if we needed to have a longer conversation. Seemed to get some feedback on Twitter, people not loving really that, uh, that hockey one we did. But the top ten players of the decade yeah. we each did. I don't know if you, if you want to go first and just rhyme off your list quickly. Sure, I'll, I'll, I'll go ten to one here. Uh, top ten players of the decade. Duncan Keith, uh, John Tavares, Connor McDavid, Henrik Lundqvist, Evgeny Malkin, Eric Carlson, Joe Pavelski, Patty Kane... Uh, Alex Ovechkin, and Sidney Crosby, number one. Uh, My top ten players of the decade. Number ten, Steven Stamkos. Nine, we got Drew Doughty. Eight, Duncan Keith. Seven, Henrik Lundqvist. Six, Evgeny Malkin. 
Five, Connor McDavid. Four, Patrick Kane. Three, Eric Carlson. Two, Alex Ovechkin. One, Sidney Crosby. Uh, we had some people questioning as to why Duncan Keith was on the list. Duncan Keith averaged like 26 minutes this decade. That's fucked. Also considering he only plays about 21 minutes a night now. Three cups, Norris, uh, 66-point season. Uh, 69 for sure, the year yeah. he won the Norris. Yeah. Uh, nice. Um, yeah. Guy can like, play. Like, I wouldn't have been on mine until I started doing even just minimal re... Like, that list took me 10 minutes. I, I thought it was pretty cut and dry once I got to it. Um, yeah, and, my, and my, my cut for 11 was Kopitar. Hmm. So, who won two cups and two Selkies and a uh, Lady Bing and... Uh, yeah, was yeah. incredible that decade. That's fair. So, you know, That's fair. Keith was going to be on the list regardless. Yeah. Um, it's hard to cut. Like, it was hard for me to leave Steven Stamkos off. So I, I put him on. But, like, yeah, like, he scored fucking 65 goals one year. Like, he's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Well, he didn't score 65, but he's, he got 60 goals in a season. We, uh, it's un- unbelievable. We had eight guys in the list uh, together. So we were, okay. we were pretty consistent. Uh, I, I had Doughty and Stamkos, and you had Tavares and Pavelski, I guess, right? Yeah. That didn't match up? Yeah. Yeah, I was. Uh, why why Pavelski so high? Just consistency factor. Very consistent. Yeah, he, yeah. Uh, kind of underrated. I, I felt uh, his entire time in San Jose, and uh, I think he had the second most goals in the decade or something like that. He was top yeah. three anyway. So like, yeah, I could see that. Just a very very sturdy player. I mean, goals. with yeah, with with Crosby and Stamkos getting yeah, hurt all like, the time, right? You got guys in here like like McDavid is like obviously an otherworldly figure, but he only played half the decade. Joe Pavelski was just there all 10 years in and out, came to work, did his yeah. job. So I think like with, for McDavid with me, it's just like with the aggressiveness that he burst on the scene. Cause he really like, uh, you know, don't nobody take this personally, but like he really hasn't like accomplished a lot, but like, you know, he very clearly like, this is an eye test guy. We can all watch the games and tell that Connor McDavid is insane. Um, so yeah, like it's you know I I don't remember us being this in love with a hockey player since probably Eric Lindros. Like I don't even think Crosby got this level of of treatment because it was always Crosby versus Ovechkin. You know what I mean? It kind of like took away from how good Crosby actually was in a way. Quite possibly. Um, yeah. You know, we clearly still were obsessed with him, but I mean, I wasn't. Um, so yeah, those those were top ten players of the decade. Uh, we also did top 10 albums of the decade, which I thought was interesting. Now, I was curious with yours, did you do this on the, what you thought were the best albums of the decade or what your favorite were? Because I did I did what I thought the best were for both this and films. I, I guess it ended up kind of being my favorite, but my favorites are I mean, what you, I think are the best. Well, right? like, you, so, you have to like this. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm sure Lana Del Rey uh, had a top 10 album of the exactly. decade, but I don't really like Lana Del Rey, and exactly. I think she's boring. Yeah. Um, so that's why my top 10 was, you know, I, I listen to these front to back all the time. It's just like, you know, my top 10 favorite albums of the decade, like, probably two of them are Third Eye Blind, but they didn't sure. make the list because their albums aren't maybe that good, but I just like them. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. No, and that's fair. It was, it was it was kind of an awkward setup to to figure out how to yeah, rank them. But uh, the films, I think, it was more objective about the albums. Though these are albums that I like. I've I've listened to every song on the album more than like ten times, probably. Right. So you know, yeah. these are albums that I also enjoy. Beautiful. Uh, my number ten, uh, Home of the Strange, twenty sixteen, Young the Giant. Uh, I guess Young the Giant is the artist. Maybe I should. I've mentioned that first. Uh, num- number nine would be Mac Miller's 2011 album, Blue Slide Park. Number eight is The Glorious Sons 2019 album, A War on Everything. Uh, number seven, 
is the Arctic Monkeys 2013 AM. I read an article recently, the best album of the decade, uh, it was declared by, I think, Rolling Stone? Interesting. It, it, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty fitting. That album was massive when it came out. Um, number six, Greetings from the Neon Frontier, which is, uh, the Wild Feathers' most recent album from 2018. Uh, number five is Kings of Leon, Kings of Leon's 2010 album, Come Around Sundown, Mechanical Bull, a late cut for me as well, which was on your list. Uh, number four, Drake's 2013 album, Nothing Was the Same. Uh, number three, uh, my favorite album of all time, My Chemical Romances, Danger Days, The True Lives of the Fabulous, Fabulous Killjoys from 2010. Uh, number two is Lord's 2013 album, Pure Heroin. And number one, uh, of course, which I, I think is the best album uh, ever. Um, you know, like, like not like not my favorite, but I think this is the best like musical thing ever, is Kanye West's uh, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy from 2010. Right on, man. Um, that was I, a mouthful. I don't know if I've listened to half of those. So. Okay. Yeah, just, that's, yeah, that's yeah. fine. My number 10 is uh, Eminem's Recovery, back in 2010. Uh, number 9, Common Courtesy from uh, A Day to Remember, 2013. Uh, number 8, this one is probably a little odd for some people. Um, Led Zeppelin, uh, Celebration Day, uh, 2012, live album. Great, great live album. Uh, number 7, Young Beauties and Fools, uh, Glorious Sons, 2017 release. It's kind of wild to think how much music they've put out lately. they got... 2017 album, 2019 album. They got a couple of live albums in between. Boys are working. No days off. No for them. Uh, number six. As far as I can tell, they don't. They don't do anything other than tour and write music. Like they don't even have homes. They just live in the van. Did you know uh, they? Brett lives with a band, and I can't think of who it is. I want to say it's the Dirty Nil. All all the members live with Brett. How mm. fucked is that? That's wild. That is, I mean, I think there's only three guys in the Dirty Nil, but that's still crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, number six, The Black Market from Rise Against. Number five, Ariana Grande's Wasn't, wasn't a fan of The Black Market, gotta tell you. No, really? No. I, I thought it was their best album. Like, by and it, for me, if, if, if I'm remembering the right album, I'm, I feel like that was the album that kind of lost me. I, I don't know. That's too bad. I didn't love Endgame, which came up before it. See, and I, I liked Endgame. I didn't love Wolves that came after it. The Black Market, what's on that one? Uh... Method- yeah, I didn't like that album. Me- Methadone might be their best song uh, ever written. I'm, I'm okay. not going to lie to you. I don't but... think I ever listened to it even. I don't think I got that far into the album. not going to lie. All right. <laughs> uh, yeah, Sweetener by Ariana Grande, number five. Uh, number four, Mechanical Bull, as you mentioned, by Kings and Leon. Number three, Avenged Sevenfold's Nightmare album in 2010. That uh, is a good album. That is a good album. Uh, number two, Danger Days, The True Lives of the Fabulous Killjoys <clears throat> by My Chemical, My Chemical Romance. Number one, High Noon by The Air Kills in mm-hmm. 2014. Uh, High Noon, like, High Noon would be on my top ten favorite probably, but I just, like, I don't I don't find it like an overly creative album in the in the large sense, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's good. Yeah. It's really good. There's not a bad song on the album, but it's just kind of, eh. Fair enough. It's like I've heard it, I've heard similar things, you know? Is that wrong? Is that a bad thing? No, I just I don't know. Okay. I just didn't f- innovative. I think maybe would be okay. the word. Uh, not their most innovative album because they're a band. Like as time's gone on, they're getting more and more like creative and kind of like that's one thing I'll say about them is like that's what a lot of bands do wrong. Is as time goes on, they just try to do the same thing over and over again. The Arkells are kind of trying to build off of what they've already done, and so now their music's just filled with like a bunch of fucking tambourines and and saxophones and actually i don't think they use either of those instruments but it's just like you know what i mean a big brass band and stuff now like it's cool yeah no they're a happening thing yeah 
Yeah, very lively. Uh, the top ten movies of the decade, uh, would you care to start? Uh, yeah, let's, let's let's get it going here with number ten, Thor Ragnarok, twenty seventeen. Best of the Marvel movies Ragnarok. that we uh, that we had in in the past decade. They all came out. Um, number nine, Manchester by the Sea, twenty sixteen. Number eight, Rogue One, a Star Wars story from twenty sixteen as well. Number seven, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, number six, the animated film Inside Out from twenty fifteen. Number five, The King's Speech, twenty ten. Twenty third, Moneyball in fourth. Uh, three, The Wolf of Wall Street from 2013. Uh, number two, Spotlight uh, from 2015. And The Darkest Hour at number one uh, back in 2017. Yeah. Saw that number one coming. Also knew Moneyball was going to be on there for sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, my top ten, uh, number ten, 12 Years a Slave from 2013. Number nine would be Inception, 2010. Um, number eight, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, 2019. Our list says 2018. That was my bad. Uh, number seven, Whiplash, 2014. Number six, The Social Network, 2010. Number five, Boyhood, 2014. Number four, The Descendants, 2011, which I've discussed on this podcast how much I uh, love that movie. Uh, number three, The King's Speech, 2010. Number two, Get Out, 2017. Number one, Birdman, or The Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance from 2014. Um, any thoughts? Um, kind of surprised to see The Social Network on there. It's great. I, I think... I thought it was okay. I, I might even say it's David Fincher's best movie, which is kind of... He's got quite a fucking collection. He does. But, um, I, it, it didn't really resonate with me. It was it was kind of one of those, like, oh, so that's how that happened. Okay, that's that's okay. fine. That's cool. Like, uh, I, I thought it was interesting. I think what it is, to me, is a, um uninteresting story that he makes incredibly interesting. Which he has, like, a, a you know, a habit of doing. Like, the curious case of Benjamin Button... Uh, I don't think any, almost any director could have pulled that movie off, but David Fincher managed to. So yeah, he's he's a incredible director. Like it's it's everything that he's ever done is just like nuts. Like everything's great. Yeah. So you know the guy directed Fight Club. <laughs> so you know, yeah, I thought it was great. I thought he did an unbelievable job with that. So. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like I guess that's it. We'll do uh, we'll do our real top ten now. Yeah. Top ten. Top ten. Now oh, uh, there was a little bit of a miscommunication this week. Uh, oh, it is. You know, but it, but it's gonna it's gonna make this go a little bit faster because there's not gonna be like I don't debate. think. Well, maybe I don't know. There might end up being. We'll see. But uh, what we did, uh, James did the. Well, you explain. Okay, so basically we we had these all planned out ahead of the time for the month of December uh, that we were gonna do top tens based on the decade, and um, this last one was just written down kind of in in a vague terminology in in that. Um, the top 10 players that didn't win an award in the decade. Um, and it was kind of taken to mean different things by the two of us. So, so I have a list of guys that didn't win a damn thing, uh, in the entire decade, 2010 to 2019. And, uh, I, I believe you have a list of guys that, uh, that should have won, uh, in certain years. Yeah, they got gypped. Wars. Yeah. They okay. got gypped. Now, what I will say is, uh... That's not an easy thing generally to argue, is that guys should have won an award. Um, so I, I don't necessarily feel super strong about all ten, but the top, you know, seven or eight probably I do. So. Yeah. It was a tough list for me because I, I quickly found out that a lot more guys have won awards than I thought they had. Yeah, so. I uh, completely forgot until today that Ansi Kopitar has won two Selkies. Yeah. Didn't, didn't remember. Yeah. I just assume... 
that every year Patrice Bergeron has won it. Yeah. Uh, like, right. like even going back to like 2011 and it's like Pavel Datsuk and I'm like, wait, Patrice Bergeron didn't win just every year? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, the other guy that used to win every year, I thought it was year, like right? two years of Bergeron, Taves, five years of Bergeron, not Mark Stone. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so... Like they've been, they've been doing the Selkie Trophy for what, like 50 years now? And uh, thereabouts? Not even. Roughly. Uh, 40-ish. And I just assumed that only like six guys have ever won it. So. Fair. It was Ganey yeah. for about 20 years. And then uh, <laughs> Carboneau, they gave it for a little while. Then Lettinen won it a bunch of times. And then it's just Datsuk and Bergeron. Yeah. Maybe a Brindamore sprinkled in. Hmm. I could I could go for a Brindamore. Hmm. Uh, Who couldn't? <laughs> all right. So uh, uh, shall, I, shall I start? Shall I begin? Not that I thought he ever would, but it is kind of surprising that Gary Roberts never won one. Like, not that he necessarily should have. It's just you'd think that would have been something he would have got. He did win a Bill Masterson Award. Did Gary Roberts ever, like, I don't know if you've ever looked into this. It's just a question. It's not something to look into right now, maybe. But is like, was he ever high in the voting? Or, like, a nominee? For a Selkie? Yeah. I don't think so. You would imagine. I don't think At so. some point. It's very easy to look up. He was good with the Leafs, like, to the point where I, you know, would have thought he would have got a nomination. Yeah, that's very fair. You know? uh, he finished 20th in Selkie voting with the Leafs in 01. And he finished 9th with the Flames in 94. And that's mm. it. Okay. No. Fuck me, then. Yeah. Taves has only won one. Yeah. It's kind of neat. Um, okay, number 10 for me. Uh, this list got real difficult real quick, so these last few are kind of up in the air. But uh, number 10, I think Matt Zuccarello uh, should have won a Masterson Award in 2015-2016. Fractured mm. skull, missed a lot of the season, didn't know if he'd like, you know, be able to play the sport ever again. Yeah. Uh, he, he makes the cut mostly just because of the guy that did win it that year. That was just an old guy that happened to play when he was old, which I didn't think was all that impressive, and Yammer Yager's a freak, so, I mean, good for Yager, but I just thought Matt's... It's kind of cool to think, though, that if, uh, like, by that logic, that Yager should have won it every year if he continued to play. Right. You know what I mean? Like, if he were playing now, he would just be like, yeah, he's gonna win the Masters. He played, like, three years after that. Don't even fucking bother nominating anyone else, because he's just, he's old, and he's older than everyone. So, Matt Zuccarello... Who's the oldest player in the league now? Ooh, that is a great... Chara? Is it Chara? It's gotta be Chara. Paddy Marlowe? Nah, Chara's older. Joe Thornton? Chara, I think, is still older than Thornton, oh, too. Oh, man, I gotta look it up. Because, like, Marlowe and Thor, Like, Marlowe's not even 40 yet, I don't think, eh? Like, he's... Yeah, I did not or realize he might just be 40. 42. Yeah. Marlowe's 40. Thornton's 40, 41. Maybe. He might even Thornton's, be 39 Thornton's still. Thornton's 40. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so Chara's... Chara, Chara's gotta be the oldest, then. Yeah. No, no old guy. Matt Collins... Retired, yeah, right? Yeah, he's, he's done. Okay. <laughs> huh. Yeah. It's a damn sure. Good for yeah, him. Good for him, yeah. Okay. Uh, that's my number 10. Matt Zagorilla should have should have won an award in, in the 2010s. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so what I did was just a year where I felt like a guy got gypped and uh, probably should have won instead of someone else winning. Now, uh, like I said, I don't necessarily feel super strongly about this one because... Uh, I'm arguing that my favorite player of all time shouldn't have won an award uh, in this spot, but so whatever. Um, but I thought Chris Letang probably should have won the Lady Bing in 2013 instead of Marty St. Louis. Uh, Chris Letang, although, albeit in a lockout shortened season, had uh, like I think 40 points and uh, only took four minor penalties all year. Even in a lockout shortened season of 48 games, pretty fucking impressive to uh, be a, I believe, finalist for the Norris. And still, 
you know what I mean, like almost take no penalties. Uh, Chris Letang is going to go down as one of the most underappreciated players of our generation, I think. And because um, I think he is a slightly worse Eric Carlson. I would have argued in the early 2000s he was better than Eric Carlson because he actually plays defense. So, yeah, uh, Chris Letang is awesome and uh, should have won the Lady Bing that year, I think. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. All right, my number nine for players that did not win an award of any type in the 2010s, Claude Giroux. Mm, I thought you were going to say Chris Letang. Claude Giroux. That's, yeah. Philadelphia Claude Flyers. Giroux is like the, is like the forward Chris Letang like he's good but he's just like yeah he's probably never going to win an award because he's just not that amazing but he's really fucking good three top five uh, heart trophy nomination finishes crazy in that's the actually crazy um point per game guy in the lockout had a career high in points goals and assists at the age of 30 uh, a year ago um just really consistent the entire decade. It, it's tough to say that he should have won it over certain guys. It's it's really hard to make that argument. But just the fact that he went all 10 years without getting anything, any sort of recognition. You know, sometimes you'll see the guy, oh, he, the guy that can't win the Hart Trophy. Well, we'll throw him the, the Selkie or the, you know, the Lady Bing or something like that because he's a nice guy. Nothing. Not a damn thing. It's kind of wild that he's only 30, actually. Yeah, 31. <laughs> well, actually, it's his birthday next week. Nice. There you go. Happy birthday, Claude Giroux. Hearst, Ontario native. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, played his uh, minor hockey in Bemidji, Minnesota. Hmm. Yeah. That seems like a Pierre Maguire fact. But I'm Bemidji State University. Bemidji State. My number nine for players that got gypped on a on an award. I just like saying that. I don't think I've ever used the word gypped in my life till uh, today. I don't know if you should make it a habit. Yeah. Um, yeah. John Tavares should have won the Hart Trophy in 2013 over Ovechkin. Because the uh, Islanders are horrible. And always have been. Yes. That's not even, like, I'm not even trying to piss off Islander fans. I just think that's a black hole. Um, yeah, he, sh- he should have won it that year. He was great. I think he was third or fourth in the league in scoring. He had an awesome year. And, uh, yeah. John Tavares. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Um, my number eight mm-hmm. is not so much a guy that I think should have won an award more so than a guy that I just kind of assume won something during this decade. I already know where this is going. Uh, Joe Thornton. Yeah. Number eight. Yeah. Um, like, absolutely insane. He, he won, you know, the Hart Trophy there in, after the lockout, the Art Ross. You know, he comes swinging out of the lockout with that. Has another 100-point season a couple years later. And then this past decade... Very consistent, always a point-per-game kind of guy, um, but no real love. He had a, a top-five heart finish in 2015-2016 when he had you know, 82 points in 82 wow. games. Um, That's actually wild, though. Yeah, fifth in the Selkie voting that same year. But, uh, yeah, just, just couldn't really get any more love uh, anywhere else during the rest of the decade. And uh, we're going to see him kind of ride off in the sunset without any major hardware in, like, 15 years. Kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number eight, I think Eric Carlson should have won the Norris in 2017. Uh, mostly because uh, Eric Carlson around 2015, 2016 turned into a pretty decent uh, defender and actually plays defense. And uh, Brent Burns is not good defensively. So I really um, am not a huge fan of him getting Norris's. Uh, but yeah, like, you know, 
I thought Eric Carlson was really good that year, and Brent Burns was not as good. So, but Brent Burns had like six more points than him, so he wins. Fair enough. Yep. All right, my number seven. You've already mentioned him. Uh, number seven player that should have won an award in the decade but didn't. John Tavares. There it is. Uh, should have won the heart. Twenty fifteen. He should have won the heart. <laughs> that, yeah, he should have won a few things. Um, had some Bing votes in his in his decade. Had some heart votes. The some Selkie. Uh, just like an amazing, consistent player on a really, really bad New York team. I um, never really noticed that the NHL has an award named after Chandler Bing's father. Yeah. Lady Bing. Lady Bing. Get it? I, I'm, I've got the joke. Uh, easy, Dave. Uh, it speaks volumes that this guy, at the age of 28, goes to a new team in Toronto and sets career highs in goals and points and, like, still is... An amazing like threat night in and night out. What 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 could have been at twenty three if you had like some guys around him, right? He's so good. Oh my god. <laughs> um, yeah, John Tavares should have won something this decade. He didn't. It's a shame. Hopefully, he wins everything this next decade. Um, my number seven is as I give Eric Carlson an extra Norris, I taketh one away. Uh, in that I thought Drew Doughty should have won the Norris in 2015 because Carlson was still very bad defensively. So, yeah, Drew Doughty was great. Uh, He should have an extra Norris, I think. Fair enough. Mm -hmm. Okay, Uh, my number six, and this is... I like how uh, I said Drew Doughty was great because he's not anymore. Yeah, he's not. He's he's real bad. Yeah, He's he's real bad. Uh, My number six uh, of guys that did not win a a trophy this year, uh, this decade, sorry... Uh, Ryan Suter. Ryan Suter didn't win a damn thing this decade, and he should have won the Norris Trophy in 2012-2013. It was the lockout shortened season. He finished second in voting. Uh, Just to give you a rough idea here, he uh, finished eighth the year before. Who won the Norris that year? Uh, That year was Chara? Yeah, that sounds right. Uh, I remember looking at that when I was doing this. It was uh, was P.K. Subban. Hmm. Um, uh, Saban. Yeah, he uh, eighth, second, fourth, ninth, eighth, and fifth in Norris voting consecutive years in the decade. Didn't win a damn thing. Yeah, he's Duncan Keith without the points. Really, like he's just a minute eater and is really good out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is the definition of pretty much what you want in a defenseman. But yeah, averaged over twenty nine minutes a a game, back to back seasons. Not 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 worthy of an award. That's fucking wild. Yeah. It's wild to think because, like, he would have had to go over 30 minutes, like, at least a couple times to make that happen. Oh, yeah. And, like, I just don't ever think of defensemen ever playing more than 30 minutes unless their name's Thomas Shabbat. <laughs> um, my number six is I think Ben Bishop should have won the Vesna last year. I thought Andre Vasilevsky was good. I didn't think he was, like, that great considering, you know, he had, like, a 925 save percentage, but he only had to make 18 saves a night. So... You know, it's fairly easy to make all those saves when they're coming from not-so-high-danger areas. Uh, I thought that the Stars gave up way more chances last year. and Well, not that I thought, they did. And, uh, yeah, I thought Ben Bishop was for sure the better goalie. I guess the issue there is that Ben Bishop doesn't play as many games as Vasilevsky. Um, but, I mean, he did last year because Vasilevsky was hurt. So, yeah. Well, he didn't play as many, but it was close. So, yeah, I don't know. I thought he should have won. Uh, not Not... Super high on Vasilevsky, but... Okay. 
Well, uh, my fifth place uh, comes with a bit of an asterisk, uh, as um, I've got Frederick Anderson in fifth uh, for not winning a major award in the decade. He did win a Jennings in 2015-2016 with the Ducks. Nah, Um, doesn't count. I don't. I don't love that trophy. I get why we have it, but oh, it's 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 nice to have trophies, but like. You know. When it's when when the trophy itself is based on the actions of your teammate and it's considered an individual award, kind of kind of doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Yeah, like your backup goalie has to be well, and it's really really good. It's partly the reason it. why that like the Jack Adams and the GM of the year don't get maybe as much recognition either because it's you know how much of. Like, when we have the GM of the Year award, and they announce it every year when there's four teams left, and the GM is always, like, three of the final four fucking teams. Like, yeah, it's pretty easy to say that, you know, fucking Don Waddell did the best job out of all the GMs last year for the, you know, because the Hurricanes went to the conference final. But, like, uh, what did Don Waddell actually do? Mm. You know? Yeah. Doug Armstrong, you know, it's easy to say. Well, yeah, but Doug Armstrong almost got fired like less than a year ago. So, you know, kind of wild, but... There it is. Um, yeah, so Freddie Anderson, uh, no awards. Ninth in Calder voting his rookie year going 20-5, and five, which I did not realize. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, a fourth place finish with the Vesna in his second year with the Leafs. Okay. So. Uh, my number, what do we have, five? Uh, my number five is I think Mark Stone should have won the Calder in 2015 over Aaron Ekblad. I think that's, I don't know, pretty self-explanatory. Uh, Mark Stone was incredible that year and was pretty much the reason why the Senators were any good other than Eric Carlson and, I believe, Andrew Hammond. And, uh, yeah, uh, Aaron Ekblad was definitely okay, but he got the award because he was 18 years old and they thought, wow, holy fuck, a defenseman that's 18. Uh, that's it. Like, that was it. Like, I don't know. He had, like, 39 points, and I don't really think played, like, a ton of minutes. Like, you know, I I don't remember what it was, but I don't think it was anything, like, crazy. So, I don't know. Aaron Ekblad definitely deserved to be nominated, but I would have gone Goudreau over uh, Ekblad, too. And I remember being kind of confused about it at the time, but whatever. What are you going to do? But, yeah, Mark Stone should have won it. Uh, And thus starting a trend of Mark Stone getting chipped for fucking awards. So. There it is again. Yeah. Um, okay, my number uh, four is uh, Phil Kessel. Mm. Uh, he did win the Bill Masterson uh, the decade prior. He also won Customer of the Year at Lonnie's Hot Dogs outside of uh, his condominium in Toronto. I mean, Steve Simmons' condominium in Toronto. Um, Hot dogs! But this this one comes with a little bit of an asterisk because I do have like a specific award in mind for, for Phil. Uh, he should have won the Conn Smythe uh, that first Stanley Cup season. Uh, 10 goals, 12 assists, 22 points. Uh, you could have even made an argument the next year uh, when he had 23 and 25, but he definitely, hands down, should have won the Conn Smythe uh, that 2015-2016 season with the Penguins. Um, and they give it to Sidney Crosby because the writers like Sidney Crosby, and Sidney Crosby has the name value. He's Canadian, and Phil's not Canadian, and Phil's overweight, and Phil eats hot dogs, and Phil doesn't play center, and Phil's a ginger, and Phil had testicular cancer, so they give it to Crosby, so... That's that's how I feel about that. Um, fun fact: I think Phil Kessel has the best release in the history of the NHL. So, wow, yeah, right, I'm saying Joe, Joe Sackick may have something to say to you. Uh, pretty good, yeah. pretty good. Kessel's better, I think. Uh, Kessel's the only guy I've ever seen in my life that can shoot the puck harder when he's still moving his feet than when he's not moving his feet. Yeah, 
I can't even shoot the puck while I'm moving my feet. So fair enough. Um, yeah, my number four is Mark Stone again for the Calder in twenty. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, for the, this time for the Selkie in 2019, uh, Ryan O'Reilly was great last year. I'm not trying to take anything away from it, but the fact that Mark Stone played for two different teams, one of which was horrible last year, uh, and the teams were both so good with him on the ice. Uh, compared to without him on the ice. Um, like, the Golden Knights were insane levels of dominant when Mark Stone was on the ice last year. And uh, I I just... I think there's something to be said for a guy that every year leads the league in fucking takeaways uh, and also, like, doesn't allow any... His teams don't allow chances while he's on the ice. Like, you can only read into some of these relative with or without stats... Uh, in terms of team success, like, you can only read into them so much. You, you know, there's a certain degree where you have to question other things. At some point, though, you have to just look at Mark Stones and be like, yeah, wow, he's got it. He's really fucking good. And if you watch him play, like, it's very obvious that he's never been a good skater and he's just way smarter than everyone because that's kind of how he had to play hockey from a young age. Um, some people would say, well, why didn't you go to uh, skating school or something? But, uh, no, he just figured he was going to get smarter than everyone. So. Yeah. I'm sure he went to power skating. But. Good plan. Yep. So Mark Stone, my number four, uh, getting uh, gypped for the 2019 Selkie. I also, um, I got to somewhat apologize, although I'm going to keep using the word, that I didn't really realize that gyp is kind of an offensive term. Didn't really know that. Yeah. Whatever. Well. I don't really care. Your own bed to lie in, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I guess. So. Yeah, whatever. All right. Uh, my number three, and this is this is kind of fucked that this guy's third because uh, this, these are the heavy hitters here. Uh, number three, Shea Weber. Mm. Now, I'm going to tell you something he's about a Shea heavy, Weber. He's a heavy hitter, for I'm gonna, sure. I'm going to tell you something about Shea Weber. Uh, other than his rookie year, every season that Shea Weber has played a full season in the NHL, this goes back to the previous decade, I'll add, he's finished top 10 in Norris voting. Never won a Norris. Second, second, third, fourth, fourth, eighth, tenth, seventh, ninth. Everything but number one. He also finished with Hart Trophy votes five years this decade. That's kind of wild. Guy didn't win a thing. Guy didn't win a damn thing. Hmm. Shea Weber. Okay. Um, my number three, ironically, was traded for Shea Weber. Uh, <laughs> I think that P.K. Subban should have won the Norris in 2018, and you really can't convince me otherwise. Uh, Victor Hedman won it. He should not have won it. Hmm. Victor Hedman, a fine defenseman. Uh, definitely has too many Norrises for my liking. Hmm. Yeah. Fair enough. Because um, didn't he win last year, too? Headman last year, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he probably shouldn't have won last year either, but that's fine. All right, uh, my number two. And uh, this guy's number... This guy beats Shea Weber. No, Giordano won it. Right. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah no, Giordano right. was ridiculous yeah. last year. There was no way. There was no way he was ever losing that award. Yeah. Like unless he got hurt. Yeah, that was a fucking Again. clear cut. That yeah. was one of the most obvious award choices I've ever seen. Actually. True. Yeah. Um, number two here for me. This guy beats out Shea Weber uh, only because he could have won two different individual awards. Uh, Chris Letang. Hmm. Chris Letang didn't uh, win a damn thing this decade. Uh, finished in the Norris. Uh, Top ten six times. Should have won the Lady Bing in 2013. Could have won the Lady Bing. Should have won the Bill Masterson Award. Um, yeah. Guy comes back. From Who won it the year that he won it? 2017. Or that he could have won it. 
Was it 2017? Sounds sounds like we're getting awfully close to Brian Boyle territory. Uh, <laughs> let me uh, give me a second here. I have it in front of me. Sure. Craig Anderson won it, and like all due respect to Craig Anderson and, and what he went through with his wife, um, it's it's a tough award to take away from somebody. I'm just saying, on top of the Norris love. Chris Tang coming back from a stroke. I want to say the other finalist was also like a really good option. Yeah, yeah. I remember that being kind of a tough year, but yeah, a stroke and two concussions in a year, and yeah. he came back, wins a cup. Chris so, Tang's another guy like like as like as we add to it too has put up with. He's had a lot to deal with in his career. Yeah. Um, you know, like it started off even from a young age, like loses one of his best friends to a motorcycle accident in, uh, in Luc Bourdon and you know like it's just always been one thing after another for this poor fucking guy mm-hmm. um, and holy man is he ever good he's having a great year this year so maybe there's a chance that he can start this decade on the right foot mm-hmm. speaking of the Penguins <laughs> uh, I think Sidney Crosby should have won the Hart Trophy in 2010 over Henrik Sedin uh, the Canucks were an incredibly deep team and uh, had a lot of help and because Sidian's brother got hurt for 17 games, we're just going to give him the heart trophy because God forbid he overcome his brother getting hurt. Yeah, well, like, you know, his line mates were also good. Uh, the Penguins had almost nothing that year. It was a down year for Malkin. Uh, the goaltending was kind of rough at times. And I think the third highest point getter, I don't have it in front of me, I believe was Gonchar with like 46 yeah, Sidney Crosby was the reason that that team was remotely good that year. He had 109 points, and he worked for every single one of them. Probably would have had 150 if he would have had better line mates. So, yeah, Sidney Crosby should have won the Hart Trophy. Fucking big time. Mm. For sure. Yeah, I agree. Could be my number one, honestly. Like it's it, the My top two are really close. That's fair. But I went with my number one because I like the guy. So, uh, My number one is uh, Mark Stone. I don't know how we made it through the entire decade without Mark Stone winning something. Second in Calder, second in Selkie. Only player that appears on my list twice for they should have won. The guy finished 12th for the Hart Trophy in a season he was traded in. That's fucked. That's pretty fucked. Uh, like, what what team was he even nominated for? <laughs> the Sens, technically. But <laughs> was he actually? Yeah. Holy shit, I would have guessed the Knights, actually. Yeah. I was kidding. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm pissed. Mark, Mark Stone should have won something. You yeah. awful fuck yourselves. Yeah. Uh, it's it's remarkable. I don't know what it is like that. Maybe just because he's not overly exciting to watch, I guess. But like, I don't know. he kind of is, though. Like, I, I I don't know. I watched I watch more nights now than I did before fucking Mark Stone went there. Um, I don't know. They're, they're a fun team. But yeah, uh, my number one is that I feel Marty St. Louis should have won the Hart Trophy in 2011. And I'm going to tell you why. Uh, is more that I just think that Corey Perry shouldn't have won it in 2011. Now, I understand uh, a lot of people don't like Corey Perry, and this is kind of a, a hard opinion for me to take on a day where Corey Perry got kicked out of a winter classic for elbowing Ryan Ellis in the head, but I'm not as big of an anti-Corey Perry person as most people. Um, I'll save you a seat in the bus. Yeah, and yeah. it's just, you know, like I, I like so the reason I'm mentioning that is not because I want to defend Corey Perry I just want to preface this by saying is that I don't necessarily hate him and I don't think I have an anti-Corey Perry bias is what I'm getting at 
However, um, that was a pretty good Ducks team that played offensively. Um, Mar- Marty St. Louis should have won the heart. Now, I think part of the reason why he didn't is because although he had 90, I don't know, 98 points or 99 points, uh, Stamkos also had 91 that year. Uh, this was a team that, again, I don't have it in front of me. I believe they were 7th in the NHL in goals. Um, and they only had two players over 50 points, I'm pretty sure. And Stamkos played with St. Louis, and St. Louis assisted on a very large percentage of Stamkos's goals. He drove the bus that year, for sure. This was a team that was half-decent, made the playoffs, with Dwayne Rolison as the goaltender. Not a great fucking team. In fact, pretty bad team. Uh, I am fairly certain that without Marty St. Louis, uh, that team probably not only misses the playoffs, could be a draft lottery team. That was a fucking awful hockey team. Uh, And Marty St. Louis gave them a playoff run for it. Hmm. So, kudos to Marty St. Louis. Uh, He should have an extra heart trophy um, in his stall at the... At the Hall of Fame, they don't have stalls. Well, yeah. some of them do, but not a lot. No, no. That would that would make him like the like the third highest Hart Trophy winner in history. Yes, sir. Yeah. Huh. It, it, like it is ridiculous to think that Marty St. Louis kind of got screwed out of a out of a, out of an award because he won plenty of them. Yeah. But um, I'm sure that he would trade that Lady Bing in 2013 for a heart in 2011. Mm. So. Uh, and just to let everyone at home know uh, how old they are, because uh, I forgot, and it was uh, an eye-opener going through it, uh, Nicholas Lidstrom won an award this decade. Nicholas Lidstrom. That's all I got. That's that's my that's my list up for the week, I think. Great, uh, great guy, Nick Lidstrom. I'll see you all in Gothenburg, Sweden, um, for the 2022 World Juniors. Mm, and until then... Um, you can find me on vacation. Oh, okay. You're taking a two-year vacation before you go on vacation? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm doing. Okay. It's never been done. Well, not successfully, anyway. You're going to have to really get creative where you're getting your money from. Lots of odd jobs <laughs> if you're on vacation. Like, that's still hey, working, kind of, hey, there's though. a lot of grandmothers need help out there, okay? What? So what what are you helping them with? Moving things. Are you just going to go steal money from your grandmother for the next 2 years is what you're saying? Grandma, I got to uh I got to redo the roof. Didn't you redo that last week? No, that was a dream. <laughs> Wait, oh, who who had oh, the dream? Okay. That's that's the thing, right? Um yeah, why is there why is there a star? Oh, nice. I was wondering on Hockey Reference why there was a star beside uh, Marty St. Louis' name on the on the on the uh, point total, and that's because he uh, is a Hall of Famer, so he gets a star beside his name. Uh, that year, also that he uh, should have won the Hart Trophy, uh, only took um, twelve penalties, and I also want to add that of his thirty-one goals, twenty-seven of them were even strength. So, yeah, that's pretty fucked. Yeah. Uh, should have won the Hart Trophy in uh, 2011. Okay, uh, yeah, that's least up for the week. Find us on uh, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Clomper, Portugal Radio. Uh, you can like us on Twitter. That's where a lot of our content gets pumped out, so you should probably get Twitter if you don't want to miss some of these things. 
uh, when they happen. And what what I mean by that is, next time we do a top ten that we're tweeting out, uh, you can feel free to yell at us on there rather than just texting one of us your opinions. Because uh, yeah, I'll leave those on red for sure. Um, yeah, we should be back Monday next week. Should be back to normal. So probably going to be a short episode because uh, we filled a lot of time today. So oh yeah, oh yeah. You need you need anything? You're good. Uh, yeah, I gotta go to bed here. I gotta watch hockey in six hours. Okay, so. see you in, see you in Gothenburg. I'm telling you, this place is perfect. You're gonna make friends in no time. Get me out of here! Here, just eat that. Leave us alone. Well, the truth is, I'm just glad I'm here. You don't know who that is, but I'm. Jumping fences